Does everybody know what time it is? Time for the end of the season, Super Spectacular? That's right, it's grunt work. Welcome to Grunt Work, everybody, the all-inclusive podcast about the TV show Home Improvement. I'm Landon Solano, joined always by... Truman Caps. And we've got a monster of a show for you today. It is, as we said, the end of the season spectacular. Long awaited. At last it's here, <laughs> like Christmas. And like Christmas, we have some gifts, some surprises, a handful of goofers. And some family drama that will be uh, handled in a very passive-aggressive way over the dinner table. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Oh, I can't wait. Um, so here we are at the end of season one. Yeah, and what a season it's been. Um, <laughs> you know, look... look uh, I'd lo- Landon, I would love to talk to you about this right now, but I, I just got to get something off my chest. I'm okay. sorry. Before we before we go into the show, I just have to completely distract from it oh. and talk about something that's going on in my well, life. We're, we're getting into our tangents way earlier than usual. I know. Well, hey, we've got we got a lot to finish, so that's I have true. to we yeah. have to cut to the chase on the bullshit. <laughs> uh, so I recently had an encounter with a piece of technology that made me realize that uh, Tim Taylor is alive and well. And uh, it works in R&D for Samsung. That's what I've decided. <laughs> okay. he, sometime he, he ditched the wife and kids and moved mm-hmm. to Korea because I'm pretty sure that's where Samsung yeah, is. Yeah, I think it's a Korean company. Yeah, got to be. Sure. It uh, is now that we've said it. There's no way we could have checked that. <laughs> uh, so recently... Can uh, you retcon reality? I, I think so. It's called a Realicon. Realicon. No, actually, that's the, that's the big uh, fan convention for reality. <laughs> oh, I like the cosplays myself. <laughs> <laughs> recently... Uh, I was at a condo uh, up in the mountains with uh, some folks, and we were watching TV. They had a big, uh, brand new, state-of-the-art Samsung uh, flat-screen mm-hmm. TV mounted up to the wall. Yeah. And this is one of those uh, new TVs that has a webcam in it. Oh, ooh. That is that is the perfect reaction. That is <laughs> what every person should say. When someone says, hey, I want to sell you a TV with a webcam in it, yeah. everyone should say, ooh. Mm. Yeah. We're watching TV, and this this brand new television will keep randomly shutting off and then turning back on. And it was, sometimes it'll happen like three times in a row. Sometimes it'll happen once every every forty minutes, and we don't know why it's <laughs> happening. And finally, this is like Samsung's version of Netflix's. Are you still watching? Yeah, exactly. Except they're just deciding. It's like you've watched too much. <laughs> Go outside. No, no one <laughs> needs to watch four episodes of Jerry Springer's Baggage on Game Show Network. <laughs> we're going to we're going to cut you off. Yeah. When did uh, Samsung's CEO become a soccer mom? <laughs> like. Too much video games. You need to go out. It's summertime. <laughs> Did you finish your homework? <laughs> uh, so we're watching it. It keeps shutting off and turning back on. And we finally get to the bottom of the mystery. We realize that this TV with its webcam in it, for whatever reason, has has both voice-activated commands and motion-activated commands. Oh my god, this is straight out of stereotypical. Exactly, Landon. And now you see why we have to talk about this on the show. We so we didn't realize we like we would like gesture in front of the TV, and the TV would take that as a command. Like what whatever we were doing with our hands, the TV yeah. would read that to mean turn off and turn back on. <laughs> You're doing the mind comp salute right now. I, you, you know, everything I do with my hands, you have to turn it into me being a Nazi. And that's not... That's fair. But so we're inadvertently gesturing and turning the TV off, or the TV will hear... It'll either hear us saying something, or I think in some cases it would hear what was coming off the TV mm-hmm. and shut itself off. And so this is... Much like the opera uh, applause in Stereotypical. She's yeah. worried that the end of the, the show will turn off the TV or the stereo. Yeah. So <clears throat> we... 
we were trying, and we don't. We ultimately we did. We weren't able to figure out how to stop it from doing this. The, yeah. the technology was too far, too far advanced beyond ours. But what I want to <laughs> know, what I really want to know, is who asked for this? Who who said, <laughs> like like who said we need a way to control our television that isn't using a handy dandy remote control? Like I I, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, the, the Tim Taylors of the world, certainly. That, that's all it could be. Yeah, because. I think that TV technology was really perfected in, like, 1993 yeah. when they had, okay, here's the remote control. You push buttons and the laser makes the TV do things. Right. We'd, like, only Tim would say, now nah, you don't need to pick up that remote and use your thumb. You got to wave your hands around like a man <laughs> or just yell at it like a, like a dude would do. Yeah. I'd argue that it was perfected even further with the advent of Bluetooth so that I don't have to point the remote directly at the television and having sensor issues and stuff. Um, but I completely agree with you and totally think... That this is an act of pure hubris, someone thinking that they can improve stuff just for the sheer act of improving. It, Quote, unquote, improving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the next improvement will be an actual robot that just goes and pushes the button on the side of the TV for you. Uh, so, long story short, all yeah. of this technology uh, <clears throat> that, that John Q. Samsung decided to put into this TV meant that we had to sit there... Completely still, with our hands folded in our laps, not talking too yeah. loudly while we watched Game Show Network. And the real question is, why was I watching Game Show Network? And yeah. I don't, I can't even tell you. Well, I'll tell you what: the machines are making us more machine-like. Ooh, mm, how about that? That's I, I, I was hungry for a brain pretzel, yeah. and you served them up. <laughs> like what? What better ploy for AI to conquer humans than to turn humans into AI? And thus subvert the human species so that they are more easily conquered. So the computers are hacking the humans to mm -hmm. turn the humans into computers. Yeah. Think about when you're talking to Siri um, or whatever voice-activated phone system you have. The more you say something in an aggravated tone, the less likely it is to understand what the fuck you're saying. So you have to end up doing a really monotone, hey, Siri. <laughs> Siri is guest starring in this podcast. So anyway, long story short, shame on you, Samsung. Uh, let's get back to home improvement. <laughs> let's go. Let's leave. Here we let, are. Let's leave TV criticism and go to home improvement, the more popular <laughs> thing. Yeah, I was thinking um, before we get into our own bullshit, which uh, too late. Um, <laughs> we, we, we swan dive into our own bullshit from the minute we turn the mics it's on. It's true. Uh, I thought it'd be good to give a little uh, historical overview of the first season of Home Improvement, kind of step out of our general um, reactions to the show and just kind of give some information about the show and hopefully it'll answer some of our ongoing questions about um, what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, you know, to, to, to really understand the show, we have to we have to go deep on the research. We Indeed. have to, you know, how did, how did Sam on Game of Thrones learn about the White Walkers? He did his research. Mm. Once again, mm -hmm. talking about a TV show that's not the one we're talking about. And he's the unsung hero, so... Pretty soon he will be the sung hero, thus the Samsung hero. And his uh, he's the ancestor of the person who created the webcam TV. <laughs> I think even Sam is too smart for that. <laughs> um, anyhow, this information is called directly from the audio commentaries uh, on the DVD box so, set that so we have. You, so you know it's good. Yeah. So it's got to be well, true. It's directly from the, war the mouths of Carmen Finestra and David McFadson. So uh, you know... You know, it's quality. We, we bottled our facts at the source. <laughs> but, you know, they also gave their interviews uh, well after the show was created. So maybe it's through a hazy, rosy colored glass. Who knows? Um, 
but why don't you why don't you start us off? So the origins of home improvement. Where, where did this whole thing come from? The mm-hmm. show didn't uh, the show didn't just burst into existence. Everything starts somewhere, and so it turns out that home improvement started with uh, Tim T- uh, Tim not Tim Taylor's Tim Allen's Showtime <laughs> special called Men or Pigs. Uh, so it was with Men or Pigs uh, that Tim developed the character who is the Tim the Tim Taylor that the we know and love. Man. Yes, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know the 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 whole piece, and I think the most famous bit from it is him just talking about uh, how how men are, how how mm-hmm. men are basically still cavemen, and how yeah. we're driven by primal urges, and how you know you think your man is civilized, you feed him a steak, you ask him what he yeah. thinks, he goes, oh, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember one of uh, the jokes from his specials it stuck with me my entire life. I saw it when I was a kid of um, a man's way of vacuuming is he'll go over like a piece of gunk on the floor, not getting frustrated that the vacuum won't pick it up. And he'll pick it, uh, pick up the thing like, what the hell is this thing? Set it back on the floor and try to <laughs> re-vacuum it back up. Because uh, I do that all the time. I think, I think I'm actually, I'm devolving because if I run over it a bunch of times, it won't pick up. I'll just decide, you know what? God wants it to be on the floor. Why, why would I mess with this? I don't want to pick that thing up. That's nasty. Oh, man. Uh, so, but anyway, so ABC saw this special mm-hmm. and they saw potential in Tim Allen, wisely so. Uh, but what, what, uh, so far all of this made sense to me. But then, so they see Tim, who is this uh, grunting kind of feral, primal dude on right. the stage. And they offer him uh, roles, lead roles in two of their small screen adaptations of major motion pictures. Uh, the first one is that they offered him the lead in the TV adaptation of Turner and Hooch. Strange. Strange choice. But but you think that's strange. The next thing they offered him a role in was the lead in the Dead Poets Society TV series that they were proposing <laughs> to make. I cannot fathom that. There, there, nothing is further removed than Tim Taylor or Tim Allen's uh, uh, comic persona than, than a... English teacher at a New England prep school <laughs> teaching kids to love poetry. Oh, tool man, my tool man. The <laughs> <laughs> you know, kid starts standing on their desk and he's like, no, 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 no. Here's what you got to do. You got to build an extension on top of the desk. Give it more height. Uh, I, like everything that Robin Williams talks to those kids about yeah. in Dead Poets Society is the stuff that would make Tim and Brad and Randy scream. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. I can easily more see Fraser Crane. Uh, assuming that role. Yeah, yeah. That th- and and thank you for being the first one to draw Fraser First Blood in this episode. Uh, <laughs> Fraser so... First Blood, also the name of our home improvement crossover. <laughs> uh, that's weird, though. I could see him fitting more into Turner, Turner and Hooch than I can. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, he was. He's definitely. But honestly, and, and in many ways, I feel like the world has been robbed because we didn't get Tim Allen in a buddy cop show with yeah, the big right? dog. Yeah, uh, but. The, we, you know what, we all have Top Dog with uh, Chuck Norris and a big shaggy dog. And Tim Allen played the shaggy dog. So... And I, I have to say, out of all of the movie covers I have been scared by in my life, <laughs> your, uh, you, you know, your, your Chuckies, your Jack uh-huh. Frosts, uh, your, your creep shows. No, <laughs> nothing more so than the cover for the shaggy dog where you have this animal... <laughs> face with tim allen's like shape of the face kind of in it and these 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 dead sad eyes begging to be set free from his furry prison oh my god um anyway tim allen quite wisely after being offered these two roles he turned them down because Mm -hmm. he saw as as i think anyone with eyes can that these were not a good fit for him yeah so and what he told abc was look i really want to develop this grunting dude character i have into into a show i want to build a show around that yeah 
And uh, so finally, Tim Allen wound up meeting with Matt Williams and some of the people who would go on to be the show's <clears throat> producers. And uh, they decided, yeah, we want to do a family sitcom with kind of a new slant. From that, they adapted Tim's character uh, into into a sitcom father. And they kind of built a family around him who could sort of challenge him on what his worldview yeah. was and what his beliefs were. And that became Home Improvement. And I think that's very apparent. Uh, I recently watched his two specials um, in preparation for this show. And Your rigorous study process. <laughs> I you can really feel after watching his specials, you can really feel um, the influence that the writers have on crafting um, Tim's character as you know this manly father, you know a man's man, a tool man, whatever male improvement um, by counteracting them with the other characters. I think that those because his specials are you know any stand up is just strictly one point of view. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> It really helps curb it into like a family show, yeah, in a great way. Like I, you know, I it's Tim, Tim, and the grunting is an ingredient, and the ingredient mm-hmm. works really well in a in a hearty stew with you know some some Jill potatoes and some and some Randy carrots and <laughs> and a, a fine Wilson stock that's kind of been simmered down a little bit, and Indeed. maybe some uh, maybe some Al Borland barley. Uh, but on, on its own, I mean, you can't just eat spoonfuls of paprika; it's no good. And that kind of is what I think, having yeah. seen some of some of Tim Allen's stand up. I, I, it doesn't hold up really well to the test of time. I mm-hmm. think that in the way that home improvement does. Yeah, agreed. And you know, I but I think so. And so, what, so much of what made home improvement so good was the cast who they surrounded yeah. Tim with. And so, I mean, I, you know, what can you what can you tell me, Landon? Since you've been doing your research, uh, what can you tell me about the people who came onto the show? You know what? I'm going to ruin your perfect segue yeah. to compliment. That was a great segue. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Pull pull back the curtain and expose that I'm that I'm segueing. Uh, wait, are you wait? Are you complimenting me on the linguistic thing I did, or the fact that I'm recording this standing on a segue? <laughs> I'm just really impressed that you can uh, balance while recording and not sound uh, jittery. Well, that's the th- that's the th- see, Landon. Maybe you don't know this about segues. <laughs> and George W. Bush didn't either, but they have gyroscopes and prevent you from falling off. So oh. really, it's no struggle to balance at all interesting i've never I, been on one no no, no i well you, you should try it sometime I, the only reason i'm on is i just came straight over here from recording my paul blart podcast <laughs> which is called paul blart mall pod no nope. it, it, it's called it's, it's called blart work dude oh blart work <laughs> i'm only i'm only capable of using one naming scheme for for the many many oh. many podcasts on the truman caps oh. podcasting network fair tcpn um, all right let's go into casting a little bit uh, i'm gonna talk Let's start with Jill. How about that? Let's always we start with Jill. Have mentioned in the past that uh, uh, famed character actor Francis Fisher was originally cast. Uh, Francis Fisher being um, what I know her mostly is from Unforgiven. She played the prostitute, uh, not the one that was cut up, but the one that kind of spearheaded the um, bounty. Yes, <clears throat> yeah. Um, the she's, quest giver. She's been yeah. in so many things. Um, in fact, I did a movie poster. I designed a movie poster for. A movie she was in a couple years ago. That that's um, that's an aspect of your life that I was not aware of. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, but after some rehearsals and test audiences, they decided she wasn't working out, so they brought Patricia, uh, Patricia Richardson for an audition, and then ended up casting her uh, only a day and a half before they started <laughs> filming the pilot. I, and that's that's kind of weird to me to think that that you know Tim Allen had years mm-hmm. to develop his character. You know, th- th- this is a character he had basically been inhabiting, and the show was created from that. 
Yes. Whereas uh, Patricia Richardson had 36 hours to prepare for Jill, and yeah. Jill, as we've so often found, has been the strongest part of these episodes. <laughs> well, she did just give birth uh, to twins right before the show, as we had mentioned before as well. Because she's a method actress. <laughs> exactly. She got pregnant uh, nine months before the audition. She's just like, I, I want to make my big break. And well, it's funny you say that, because um, they did say that she brought her kids into the audition, uh, and that's what helped sell them on her, uh, to be able to handle the dialogue while dealing with um, family. But what strikes me as shocking is, I don't know if you remember the pilot episode. Oh, I remember the pilot the, episode. The first scene that they have together is where they're tickling each other and they fall each other, or fall on the couch with each other. Like He's like, come come watch uh, this episode, this classic episode of Tool Time. And they're just joking around. Like To have that chemistry, which is so apparent from that scene through the entire season, a day and a half. I think what works about Jill and Tim, and, I, and we've said this before, is that it never... Well, there, there are times when when it feels like, oh, this is real. Oh, they're actually angry at each other, and that feels heavier, and you're yeah. more scared. But a lot of the time, th- they'll be they'll be going after each other and arguing, and you know, there's the kind of conflict and dialogue that that gives all these uh, opportunities for great jokes. But it never feels mean, and it's right. never mean spirited. And it's this idea that, yeah, I'm unsatisfied with him. Yeah, we don't have this thing in common, but I know that I love him. And, yeah, and it is... feels like a real marriage. Yeah. It really does. Which is what they were going for. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a casted marriage. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to my go-to. <laughs> Everybody loves Raymond. It's a, You know what? I'm not going to refute its success, uh, and I'm sure I've laughed at it before. But it really feels like an orchestrated show. I feel like Home Improvement feels much more, at least in the casting and the dynamics between the characters, it feels much more real. I, I was just reading the other day about the uh, the series Kevin Can Wait mm-hmm. with uh, with Kevin James. Yep. And I, I don't if you I don't know if you've been paying attention, but the first season of that show he had one wife, and then they uh, had oh, Leah Remini's back. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, they, okay. they, you know he he's married to this woman, and the show was going along, and I think midway or two thirds of the way through the season, Leah Remini, who played Kevin James' wife on King of Queens, mm-hmm. guest starred in a couple episodes and got a really good response. And then at the beginning of the second season, out of nowhere, they have killed off Kevin James's wife. Killed off? No, she like the the <laughs> new season begins like in the first few minutes. Like the the timeline of the show is advanced by a year, and like Kevin James is checking the mail, and he's like, oh, oh God, you know my wife's so my old, you know whatever his wife's name is. Oh, her Jim just sent a reminder that he misses her. Well, I miss her too, but it's been a year since she died. Oh well, and then they just <laughs> holy cow. No, they just shuffle What's her away. What's the tone of that show? It's. I, they're still trying to be a goofy three camera sitcom, but they're, the thing is that they now they've signed Leah Remini yeah. or, to, to be to be now the new love interest. And I guess the show will be about them falling for each other. Oh, can't wait till but, Patton Oswalt shows up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they've. What's the Jerry Stiller. That, yeah, that's, what's he doing? I, I think that's really what they've done. Is they were they were just like, hey, we're making a new show with Kevin James. Psych, it's King of Queens. You just got more <laughs> King of Queens. But. The, the the point is, Kevin James was interviewed recently about, well, yeah, you killed off your old sitcom wife. What happened? And he just said, yeah, towards the end of season one, we just didn't know what we could do with the formula anymore. It just it just wasn't working, and we had to we had to change something, and that was that. And we you know they were like he thought they wouldn't have gotten another season right. if they'd kept her. So it just shows that like if you don't get the casting like presu- presumably Kevin Can Wait was not cast yeah. within thirty six hours of them shooting the pilot, and right. even then they had all of this anguish i'm gonna i'm gonna push pause on this trivia stuff and ask you a question go for it because i feel like end of season one this is the perfect time to ask this question usually as you had just given a perfect example this between season one and two is when they recast characters yes that aren't working 
If you had to recast one character on this show going into season two, who would it be? I would recast... Honest, I hate to say Lisa. It doesn't seem fair because they haven't really been trying. I won't hold it against Pamela Anderson. I, I don't hold it. I don't hold it against her either. It's just, yeah, I would say, yeah, probably, probably that because that's the one weak link in the chain right now, mm-hmm. and the only reason it's she's a weak link is because they're not doing anything with her. So when she shows up in kind of a more prominent role, it in episode 24 at the yeah. very end of the season it's like who are you why are you acting like we know this person like she's a part of the the, the deal <laughs> right, right uh but on, honestly I, I don't think i have like who would you who would you recast if you could uh, oh man um tim yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know uh yeah I i'd recast him with ted danson i'd make it more <laughs> oh of a bar God. oriented show <laughs> now listen you're really uh you're pulling at my heartstrings there i i'd, I'd recast I, i'd recast him with peter dinklage and i'd make it more of a kind of <laughs> fantasy oriented thing still grunting though yeah. lots of grunting um anyway i just yeah i think that's a testament that neither of us can think of a recasting option uh is a testament to how great the cast is yeah yeah and you know i think it's a testament to the fact that kevin can wait for a better wife to show up uh in his life <laughs> indeed um, all right. This, this episode brought to you by Kevin Can Wait. <laughs> let's uh, let's truck through a few more of these real quick. Um, I got a quick note on Wilson. Somebody else was cast as him, uh, but a week before the pilot, he, he really- was murdered. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> uh, he realized, <laughs> and then Lee Ramini came in, and he's been <laughs> she's been playing Wilson this entire time. She's so versatile with that <laughs> with that hat. You don't even notice. <laughs> um, yeah, someone else was cast. But a week before the pilot was shot, he realized that he'd be behind a fence, and he and his agent refused to allow him to do the show. Uh, only in Hollywood, I'm going to say right there, because <laughs> I having not I have not read the script for the pilot of Home Improvement, but I feel like it would be made fairly clear that you don't see Wilson's face, yeah. since that's kind of a big gag that the had not thing. been done yeah, before. Right. I, I read about, uh, there was a, a script that the Duffer Brothers wrote, uh, the guys who made Stranger mm-hmm. Things, like the, the way they kind of broke into Hollywood, was they they'd written a script that got a lot of acclaim that was like set entirely in a fallout shelter or a bunker, similar oh, yeah. to this is it wasn't Ten Cloverfield Lane, which is a great movie, yes. but it's it's like a similar concept. Sure. Okay, so they had written this script, it got a lot of buzz. You know, it could be a super low budget, all on location <clears> thing. So all this money came together to, and all producers signed on, and they were all ready to shoot. And three weeks before shooting it. Uh, one of the producers called them in a panic and said, wait, 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 the whole movie takes place in a bunker. Can we change that? <laughs> so it's this idea that, that people will sign up and get get totally tied up in something yeah. and, and and throw their weight behind a project without really understanding it or right. even yeah. reading it. They'll they'll buy the house sight unseen and then <laughs> be, uh, be shocked when it has a conversation pit and shag yeah. carpeting. Which is why you have to appreciate shows like Last Man on Earth where... I can't imagine they knew where they were going exactly, but thank heavens they just gave uh, Will Forte free reign. Free reign. Thank that, you. I couldn't. My brain stopped. No, no, I, I understand. Uh, no, I, I, I watch Last Man on Earth, and I don't, <clears throat> I don't, I don't think it's always funny. Sometimes it is hysterical, but I can't stop watching it purely because I'm just so in awe of how much money they're giving <laughs> Will Forte to make a super depressing show about fart jokes. <laughs> Like how beautiful it looks, the special effects that they get, all these 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 locations and props and elaborate sight yeah. gags they do, and the total commitment to this show that takes for granted the fact that everyone has died and people die in horrible calamities at random instances, <laughs> and it's all just fart jokes. Yeah. It's 
I, I respect Fox for throwing so much money away on such a zany <laughs> idea. Uh, and speaking of beautiful beards, a la Last Man on Earth. And you. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's been, it's been nicely trimmed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's good. The beard salon. What do you have to say about Mr. Al Moreland? Uh, I have to say that I hope that one day he finds a woman who looks at him the way I look at him when he comes on screen <laughs> with, with tears glistening in my eyes. Uh, well, yeah, so Al Borland, uh, or, or Richard Karn is the name of the actor who plays him. I don't know if you guys have picked up on that in the past few months. Uh, but in, in what is becoming a trend here, he was also, uh, playing a part in the pilot that was meant for someone else. Uh, they, they had, uh, they had somebody else, presumably, or, well, there's rumors that it was Stephen Toblowski who was originally, uh, intended to play mm-hmm. Al. And we've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah, that's it's an interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. But so I guess Toblowski or whoever they, they had on deck for it was not available to shoot the pilot, so Richard Karn was kind of thrown in there as just a placeholder host, which is, I mean, we're complaining, well, I, I certainly complained a lot at the beginning of the, the series yeah. about the fact that they were not utilizing Al enough. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh. You know, apparently what was happening the whole time was the producers kept telling Richard Karn, you know, oh, well, we want an actor of a different type. You know, you can just you can just play him until we find someone. Yeah, sure. I'll go to the prom with you unless someone who I like better asks me there. That that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, but then after after a few episodes, it became clear that the other actor wasn't going to join the show. The schedule conflict wasn't going to clear up. So mm-hmm. they just decided, well, hey, Richard Karn's already here. He's already kind of been building this character, even yeah. in these these bit moments that we're giving him. And so they decided to keep him on. So he basically just created the character of Al for himself. I yeah. mean, the writers obviously wrote him lines and stuff, but he gave it the character. Yeah, yeah. He There was... I mean, there was really nothing there to work with, and he kind of shaped that clay. And because, and so yeah. much of his performance that we've talked about is his kind of stuff that he's not saying, but his looks yeah. to the camera or his, the way he moves around the, the set stuff with his shuffling in the background of you know Tim doing stuff, the whipping the um, the, the tarp the tarp off the ground like a magic you know magic trick, uh, the kicking the hammer out of his uh, thing like that's that's impressive that. You know, it really leans into the like master craftsman character, and and it, yeah, they and it's this kind of easy chemistry that he and Tim have as well. I mean, mm-hmm. the the way that they both work on set together, it gives this impression that these two guys have been working together for a long time. This yeah. kind of ballet that they have, right? Where where Tim is creating chaos and Al is trying to fix it, <laughs> which I think. Again, even though we're trying we're we're trying to build up Richard Karn right here, I think it also speaks to Tim Allen yeah. and kind of. This stuff didn't happen by accident. Clearly, right. they sat down and worked out how they were going to do these bits and, yeah, and yeah. did some work ahead of time. Uh, what, what I just should point out now is that the three kind of centerpieces of this show, Jill, Wilson, and... Well, the centerpiece was Tim. But yeah. the three the three most important supporting characters on the show, Jill, Wilson, and Al, were all intended to be played by different people and recast within a week before <laughs> the pilot was shot. And I can even throw another one in there. Uh, the character of Brad was cast as a 13-year-old, and what? a week or so before uh, shooting, they recast that with Zachary Ty Bryan. What ha- Like, was there just some disaster? Like, were all of these actors in the same plane, and it crashed, and then they had to scramble to fight? Was it, a, was it a, the day the original Home Improvement cast died? <laughs> when when was the Northridge earthquake? Because uh, maybe they all had, like, dog sense, and, like, something big is coming. Let's get the fuck out of town. <laughs> or they all fell into a sinkhole. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, never heard from again. Yes. But, yeah, what, what happened a week before? I mean, that was intense. Could you imagine the, like, pure chaos on set, like... Of the producers trying to fill these roles. I would just go, like, if it were me in that situation, be like, well, 
we don't have a show. <laughs> yeah, Oops. it's like... Good try. I, Good night. I guess I'm not going to be a guy with a TV show now. Guess I'm going to move back to move back home and open a bait shop. Uh, I I think that for how well Al and Tim work together, for how well yeah. Jill and Tim work together, for how well um, uh, uh, Wilson and Tim work together, mm-hmm. I, the the fact that the show works because of the chemistry between these four people, yeah. and that three of them just fell into place with no time at right. all. It's for actually. Let's talk about Lisa. Oh, of course, yeah, and Lisa. Lisa also was intended to be played by Ashley Judd, yeah. of all people, uh, but she dropped out days before the pilot was filmed because her agent told her to do films instead. <laughs> I mean, I swear to God, I think that Carmen Finestra ran over a gypsy woman <laughs> or something. We, uh, it was a real drag me to yeah. hell situation. Oh, dude, this plays in because, like, maybe he wrote the curse that's placed on him yeah. onto Tim that plays into our theories. Or, or drag me to development hell. But, yeah, so, so Ashley Judd drops out. Right before the thing. But apparently she was also, uh, she was supposed to have a much larger part on the show. Apparently this idea was that Lisa's character was going to be a psychology student who was just hmm. working on tool time as a side job. When she left, the role was diminished and they put Pamela Anderson in as it, in it as basically window dressing. Right. I, I don't know why they necessarily had to reduce the role. Yeah, like I don't that. either. That's strange. Because there are many episodes in this season. I, I think this this partially owes to sort of the dysfunction of getting the show off, off the ground. Yeah. Uh, but there were a bunch of episodes through the season that we talked about where it's kind of not a lot of plot, things just happen. I think Flying Sauces is one example because it's just kind of light on plot, just a couple of big set PC gags. I feel like there were a few episodes like that where there maybe maybe they had intended to have more characters in the mix at that point, but then yeah. because so much stuff got scrambled at the last second, they couldn't use it. Like there are spaces where they could have done an episode where Lisa like has some backstory and plays a big role. They just <clears throat> didn't implement. Yeah, that. you're right. I mean, we do in the very first half of the season, there were a number of episodes where like we said specifically, there's no B story. here. Yeah. <laughs> it's just story. Yeah. Um, and I have to imagine. Yeah, exactly. That's a result of <clears throat> removing that, that backstory yeah. uh, from Lisa. But um, spoiler alert, Jill actually becomes a psychology student later in the series. What? Is that so? so? we have that to look forward to. They, they, they recycled some of their plot points. Which I think is a good one to recycle. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good counterpoint to Wilson having, like, a Wilson inside the house. Yeah. Um. <laughs> the Wilson is coming from inside the house. <laughs> Tim wakes uh, up, there's fences built everywhere. <laughs> yeah, what's better than a Wilson, than a Wilson you can fuck? I want you to edit that one out. No, no, no. no. I'm going to make the volume louder on it. I'm going to learn Photoshop and make a banner for the show with you with you posing and that that beneath it. Uh, so anyway, yeah, let's let's dig out of this hole, uh, this 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 dirty uh, sticky hole that you've dug us into. And uh, what, what can what can you tell me, Landon, about the the special effects for this show and the and the sort of editing that, mm-hmm. that makes this whole thing stick I know. together? I'll tell you, I'll field this one uh, because I know that it touches on a raw nerve. For I, I, you. I can't. I, yeah, it's it's a sort of a trigger warning yeah. situation for me. Now, excuse me while I turn into an ice cube and uh, clink no, my glass no, here. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, um, okay, so let's talk about the title sequence, this oh, kind of mixed-media um, thing that we've watched for 24 episodes now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it practically was... an abstract art exhibit. <laughs> Created by a guy named Jeffrey Wilson, uh, who would later go on to direct a few episodes of the series. And was he standing behind a fence when he created it? <laughs> Maybe. Um, easy joke, soft pitch. He also did the opening uh, theme titles to the movie Space Jam. <gasps> Everybody get up. Come on and slam now. That is, uh, 
I'm trying to remember those opening titles. I just, wasn't it just really ominous shots of like of like bug punning across like Bugs Bunny's face and like the titles were huge coming together. <laughs> uh, I honestly do not remember. Okay, well now we have to do some jam work. Yeah, no, trust me, I'll be I'll blast that out on Twitter. Um, uh, let's talk about the music real quick. Yeah. Okay. We've talked about Dan Foley art and all the um, variations that he's done on the theme. Um, but he was brought uh, onto the show by Matt Williams after working with him on one of my favorite theme songs. Not Cheers. That's the best theme song on the planet. <laughs> That's and no, actually, no one can argue you that. You know, I'm going to retract my statement. It's not one of my favorite theme songs, but... A theme song. It's a theme song from a show I love. How quickly that fell <laughs> from the best theme song to a theme song. A theme song from one of the best shows. It's. I'm just going to tell you the show. No, I like the suspense, though. This is really good. <laughs> Uh, he did the harmonica theme from Roseanne. Oh. He composed it. It was played by... Bruce Willis. Juke from uh, Stereotypical. Oh! The harmonica player that did the Ratchet Rhapsody. Oh my god. That's, uh... So does that mean that these shows exist in the same fictional universe then? Ooh, is maybe. Is Ju- well, I guess if he wasn't on screen playing it, it's not quite the same as him. Be- so it's not like when right. the K&B construction guys wrote the theme well, song for Roseanne. Maybe. We did talk. I, I never went back to look, but you did say that uh, they mentioned Full House at one point in this well, show. So maybe the ABC universe exists within – it's a microcosm inside the Home Improvement universe. And we do know that Binford exists within the Pixar universe. So maybe I'm developing a new theory here, Sherman. Oh yeah, this is this is inception level already. All forms of media are micro or macro universes within one another. Okay, oh okay. I'm not gonna lie, man. We're in a pretzel type situation again. <laughs> as long as it's not uh, mustard, I'm fine. Oh, what, wait, wait. Oh, you don't like mustard on on pretzels? I don't like mustard in general. You don't like mustard in general? Yeah. Okay, we're canceling the rest of the podcast, Landon. Tell me about what <laughs> happened to you with mustard. Mustard is one of my favorite condiments. Uh. You know, I, I will be honest. I'm growing to be okay with it. You're, you're, you're like you're in your mid 30s, dude. You're only just now <laughs> growing to be okay with mustard. You never went to a ballpark before. It's, it's bizarre. I don't like pickles either, so I have to imagine it's something with vinegar or the dill or something. Perhaps so. Perhaps yeah, so. I don't know. But um, again, I'm trying to like pickles. These are all things that I'm I'm trying to acclimate to in my older age. Have you got like some stone ground mustard? Or are you doing French's yellow mustard? Is if you're just I've doing standard been, yellow? I've done Dijon. I've done yeah. the fancy stuff. I've done the kind of the white wine yellow. in it, maybe. Um, I, honey mustard. I'm also a vegetarian, so there's there, not they don't a lot put of meat use. in mustard. <laughs> no, but there's not a lot of uh, food you put mustard on that isn't meat. You put it on pickles sometimes, but that's really a, the perfect storm for you. Ooh, actually, I would I would honestly try a hot dog bun with a pickle and mustard. I like pickles and mustard and hot dog buns, and I don't know that I, I would do that. Is that like a <laughs> negative plus a negative equals a positive? Maybe, yeah. Oh, wow. Just like force it all... Um... At once, it's it's like exposure mm. therapy. Yeah, and and then and then you have a bear give it to you to just expose you to oh, no, all no, of no, your no, fears no, no, at once. No. Where you went too far <laughs> with that one. We are done with that that tangent. Okay, oh, well, good. The God. most emphatic end to one of our stupid goofer riffs. <laughs> um, and that's basically. Oh wait, no, we got one more. We got one more. One more bit of trivia. Oh, I held out on this. I almost forgot for your benefit. I'm I'm excited. I'm on the edge of my seat. We're going to talk about the transitions. Oh. This is not. Now I'm back on my seat in disgust. Uh, I'm back flush with the with the seat rest. <laughs> the transitions were done by Jim Prater. Curse his name. <laughs> he was the post production supervisor, um, and he is the one that brought 
it to the attention of the producers that there was computer programs that could allow him to be creative, <laughs> and uh, he asked if he could try some things. You, you, you know, you know, in in Terminator Two, how Miles Dyson, the the computer programmer, uh-huh. is the one who's like, "Oh yeah, let's reverse engineer the Terminator technology. What like we could make such huge advances? Like, and I feel like I have to be Linda Hamilton and now go back and and like try and kill him or something." <laughs> like, so that's how the the transitions were born, um, and, and and will rise again, as you have mentioned. Maybe there is more to this Terminator thing. Do you think the transitions turn into the Terminator technology? I I think I think that that the moment that 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 transition net goes self aware is I know that <laughs> there is a point in the series yeah. when the animated home improvement logo becomes like a character. It's like oh, yeah. walking around through the transitions. Yep. That's when that's when yeah when Skynet. Uh, becomes self-aware and shoots the nukes at Russia. Let me pose this to you. What would you think a 2017 home improvement transition would do? Uh, I think that... <laughs> do you it, think it would be dangerous? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that, yes. A 2017 uh, home improvement transition, uh, I think everything... I, I think it would have the sort of same same uh, uh, sticky axe body spray-y scent of the Transformers franchise on it. So whenever it would, whenever the trans, whenever the home improvement logo would come on, it would sort of transform out of something in the background. It would make that noise that it goes like, <laughs> <laughs> like that Transformers noise. Yeah, yeah. Like how everything that even in even in movies that aren't the Transformers franchise aren't made by the same studio, still like all alien ships go. <laughs> yeah, I think it was even an arrival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in arrival, it was more of like <laughs> it just slowed down. Yeah, this this is the podcast now. Is just me making that sound, making all kinds of <laughs> a, alien. And how sounds would it sound in the seventies? It sounded like <laughs> that, that's that's from the that's from the little known movie uh, Shaft versus Aliens. They they were like they wanted oh to cut God. the series short after Shaft in Africa, but they were like, no, he has to go to space. One more, yeah. Uh, everything it goes to space to die. Um, wow, that's can that be on my headstone? That's that's poetic and beautiful. I have to be buried in space, but that's well, funny. Leprechaun, Jason. <laughs> okay, well, so that was just a little trivia on the behind the scenes stuff here. Well, well, Landon, let me ask you though. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about the behind the scenes on the show and what went into making the show. Once once the sausage had been made. Yeah. And it had been put out there on the streets. What did the sausage critics say about it? Yeah, and and sausage is a metaphor for the show. Absolutely. I want to make that clear. <laughs> I get I get the metaphor. Okay, uh, what better personification of a television show than a sausage? And it's of like, this television show. And it's like you're going to make one kind of sausage, but then a week before you made it, it was like the entrails and the intestines <laughs> and uh, and the liver and all the other stuff you were going to grind up and put in it. We're all like, well, we have other commitments, and you had to find new awful to put. <laughs> In your sausage. But it somehow makes it better. You're on brat work. Oh, God. <sighs> I wish we had a sound effect every time you made a portmanteau play on words. The fact that I'm the editor is why that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, in my research, I kind of wanted to get a, a sense of, you know, the reaction of this show Certainly. when it first came out. So, I pulled a few um, articles uh, that... that kind of outlines it this you know i'm, I'm going to post these on the website i will spare everyone us dictating um what's being read here yeah um being read being stated uh, in these articles but uh, i pulled the los angeles times entertainment weekly and new york times um so i guess why don't you uh i don't know i mean so i, I do want to mention like this is i think important for people for context sure that there aren't a lot of reviews for the show because the talking dead culture 
uh, didn't exist yet. There wasn't a review of every single episode of a television show. Um, TV at the time, I don't think, was really considered an art form in the way that it is today. It was more like entertain—like, it it wasn't something that they felt that had to be discussed ad nauseum because it was a simpler, more entertaining Yeah, there weren't podcasts and talk shows dedicated to developing asinine theories, uh, trying to connect universes like, uh, you know, something to Friday the 13th or— seeing if one of their characters is god or a psychopath and and you know and that's why uh you know statistically uh violent crime rates reached their highest point in 1991 and and scientists agree that that's because people weren't because when you can't sit around at home and listen to podcasts and make podcasts trying to pick asinine theories out of your shows (laughs) what do you do you go out and you shoot people and you steal things and you have riots and uh and that's that's why the 90s were so rough. We are saving lives here. Why don't you uh, start us <laughs> off? Uh, you want to start with the Los Angeles Times one? Yeah, yeah. I, so this this piece about home improvement in the LA Times, it's really not so much a review as it is kind of a, a feature. Like Disney made, uh, not Disney, ABC. Made, oh, well, Yeah. Was it owned by that even in the 90s? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, well. Bon sh- Visa was. I don't know if. Point of Vista was, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I think it was all. Shows what I know about the show I've been making a podcast about for six months. <laughs> uh, so they, they made Tim Allen available for an inter- for a kind of an extensive interview <clears throat> with the LA Times about home improvement, about him, about the show. And it's kind of clear in reading this, they, they talk early on, Tim Allen talks candidly early on about getting busted for uh, cocaine trafficking yeah. and spending some time in prison. Getting in front of that before the you know press does. What I really took away from this wasn't so much... Uh, you know, the, the the author's opinion about the show, but more kind of Tim Allen being interviewed around the time, like like halfway sure. through shooting the first season. So maybe. kind of inside his head going yeah. into the show. Yeah, when he, yeah, the, like this, this peek into the head of one of the driving creative forces behind the show. Yeah. And what Tim talks about a lot in this interview is how his time in prison really shaped what the show is about. Uh, so, oh, coming off the coke, which he did two years for. Yeah, yeah, and I, b- yeah. I believe a federal prison. Right. And so, you know, w- w- in describing home improvement to the LA Times, he says that, that the idea behind the show is that one of the main themes is about men teaching men how to be men. Yeah. And it's and it's about this culture of, of, you know, male bonding and masculinity and how that coexists with femininity without, mm-hmm. without being uh, counter to it, how they can... But what he talks about... Is how when he was in prison, uh, he the the way he kind of observed the relationships that that formed between men in this all male environment, and he goes out of his way to to mean that he's not talking about shower situations yeah. or kind of the the we already covered the Cinemax Showtime after dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's a whole different kind of grunting, believe me. <laughs> but but more talking about the the way that you know it's all of these men in this in a kind of dangerous place where mm. you have to forge these relationships with the guys around you you have to form it, it, it reduces you back down to sort of the initial caveman state that right, men were initially yeah. in where Very primitive in, yeah yeah where, yeah where it's it's all about the pack that you run with yeah. and how you you know men who come to depend on one another and trust one another and love one another and and the short, sort of shared masculinity right kind of a tribal initiation sort of deal yeah and so a tribe of men like, like, and I, I'd known coming into this, and I feel like most people who, who pay some attention do, they know that Tim Allen went to jail, and they just think of it as like kind of a haha funny thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you know this? But this is the first time I became aware that no, his time in prison really influenced his comedy. Yeah. You know, like he, he came out of prison, and then not long after that, started 
developing his whole men or pigs thing because he spent two years in an environment where he was only interacting with men. Right. So yeah, I thought I thought that was that was cool. That home improvement is pretty much a, a product of the war on drugs. Uh, <laughs> you have there. You go. No war on drugs. No home improvement. So I <laughs> thank you, Nixon and Reagan. Yeah. Woohoo. Um. So the Entertainment Weekly article. Oh yeah, yeah. That was an actual review. This wasn't is it? yeah more of a, yeah. a review. This was done a couple episodes in. It's released on October twenty fifth, nineteen ninety one. Mm. And if you remember, the show premiered September seventeenth. How could I forget? <laughs> uh, I have it circled in my calendar. Yeah. So this my nineteen ninety one calendar. I have to. Imagine Imagine three or four episodes in. Yeah. Um, so this is by Ken Tucker, and he starts by saying that uh, Home Improvement is, has proven an uh, immediate hit, one of the few series this season to make uh, make it into the top ten, and not just because the show rests between two bigger hits, Full House and Roseanne. Hmm. Um, so, I, you know, saying that it's kind of resting on its own laurels yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, but he does go on to say that he didn't really appreciate all the sight gags and physical comedy uh, relating the dishwasher exploding to um, a bit as old as I Love Lucy. Now, now I haven't watched a huge amount of I Love Lucy, but I never remember uh, an elaborate set piece involving explosives on set. <laughs> True. I... But there was always the as that show went on, it did become you know like the dishwasher overflowing with bubbles or the the, the chocolate yeah, bonbons. Exactly. Um, I I think that I, I don't want to you know and I don't want to dispute this guy's uh, review. I mean he's entitled to his opinion. <clears throat> this man in the past is entitled to the opinion he already <laughs> stated right. about the show that was popular regardless of what he thought. Yeah. Uh, but I think that that watching a show like Home Improvement and criticizing it for sight gags and physical comedy is like going to the circus and being like, oh, so clowns, huh? <laughs> I'm just, okay, I guess if you want to do clowns at the circus, I fine. You know, it's, it's yeah. like you know, it, it's what it says on the tin. Like, you can't... That's true, but I think that, you know, the sitcom was such more, or much more uh, saturated in the market at the time True. that, you know, it, it unlike today, there aren't that many three-camera sitcoms, so you can get away with more... Simple stuff, whereas like or this or even killing your wife and and, killing... and disposing of her without without a second glance, <laughs> yeah, or very complicated stuff. Um, anyhow, he does go on to say like uh, he gives props to Patricia Richardson, saying um, that she's taken a very terribly trite role, a the long suffering nag with a heart of gold, and imbued her character with wry intelligence and bubbling ambition. And- and we've more or less said the same thing, not with quite that same beautiful yeah. prose, but, but... And I also don't see her as the long-suffering nag. Um, I think that's what the role could have been were it not cast as well as it right. was. That's true. But, so, he does. He is quick to give it props. Overall, it just seemed like he didn't feel like it was a remarkable show, uh, but it wasn't without its merits. Um, and that he just felt like it needed time to grow. And grow it did. It did. And I find that last point kind of interesting... In that, uh, you know, to, in today's market, you don't really get a chance to grow. Nope. If you don't catch them immediately, like, you're you're off the air pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. The, these days, it's really, it's, your your show's fate is almost determined before the pilot airs. It's yeah. about how good your social media campaign is, your ad campaign, yeah. how much buzz you get going. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so, I, just a mark of uh, a day and time in the past a mark a mark of a day and time in, in the past in the past <laughs> you can quote me on that <clears throat> god i'm not sure quite in what context that's for, <laughs> is, is, is that the name of your is that the name of your musings column in the local newspaper <laughs> a, a day's mark in time in the past by landon solano 
You know, as I sit at my desk and look at the changing of the fall leaves, I can't help but think. <laughs> oh, I want a tweed jacket. Um, <laughs> okay, well, that's what I won't get you for your next birthday. <laughs> Great. Uh, so we've got one more, the New oh, York Times. Yes, of course. Yeah, uh, well, so the New York Times uh, also did a review of the show. Mm-hmm. Also, much like the Entertainment Weekly, they were not really thrilled with the show. Uh, so this this review written by uh, John J. O'Connor, uh, and I'm pondering whether it's worth doing a Schwarzenegger impression for the purposes of John J. O'Connor. Yeah. No, it's not. not, not it's not <laughs> it was totally it. worth it. No, it 100% worth it. Oh, God. <clears throat> I, why do I do anything? I'm just going to keep talking so you don't have an edit point to cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> so he he panned the show. He said that it was uh, rote and stereotypical. Uh, he 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 referred to Jill as savvy but helpless. Mm-hmm. So I guess part of that is I mean it kind of this similar critique to what the Entertainment Weekly guy was saying is that is that Jill's character is stereotypical but played well. I mean. Yeah, that's right. What I, I take that's, from that. Yeah, what I take from that too. Uh, he had high praise for Wilson. He thought Wilson was the most original element on the show, which both, it is. I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, like, <clears throat> and kind of you, you think you look at the landscape of what sitcoms were, and then for Home Improvement to, to introduce, uh, you know, for a family sitcom to introduce a guy who talks about college level philosophy with half of his face yeah, hidden right. behind a fence, <clears throat> that's that's a new thing. Listen, Tim, I got to talk to you about meta messaging and dithorams. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> this is primetime television. <laughs> meta messaging and dithorams. You never that's I think the only time those two things have been included in the same sentence. <laughs> uh, or unless anyone else has been talking about home yeah. improvement in this depth. Um, and the one other thing that kind of stuck out to me from the from the New York Times review is that they they uh, compared it unfavorably to the Simpsons. Uh-huh. And that just not you know nothing for me dates a piece of culture more than than it referring to the Simpsons back when it was both good and relevant, <laughs> as opposed to now when the Simpsons is just sort of yeah. like death taxes new shitty episodes of the right. Simpsons. You know that reminds me of a day and time and another place. <laughs> I can't even remember my own quote. <laughs> I, I, I feel like whenever you start talking about a day and time in another place, like everything else sort of fades away, like a Scott Joplin tune plays on the piano. Oh, it's more uh, Jack Handy yeah. going through my brain than anything else. The day gone by in time segments. We've already changed the name like three times. I feel like your day gone by in time segments for your chance to really unleash your inner Andy Rooney. <laughs> you know what I like about home improvement? People try to improve their homes. People don't try to improve their homes anymore. Why is that? I think the world would be a better place if more people improved their homes instead of just tossing them aside. We gotta get you to do more impressions on this show. Yeah, more impressions of really, really big celebrities like Andy Rooney. <laughs> uh, I have I have nothing else big from that article. They did not okay. like home improvement much, so I decided, screw it, this person yeah. is not worth my discussion. Well, you know, I think it's worth mentioning that even though the critics might have been on the fence, um, and again, this is really only after a handful of episodes, uh, the audience loved the show. Um, it debuted at one of the, the top ten um, almost immediately and stayed that way through the entire season, only growing in popularity. Um, and I think a big testament to that is that in season two, which is a very early time to do it, they moved from 8.30 on Tuesdays to 9 o'clock on Wednesdays, which is a, a sweeter spot. Yeah, They're no longer the sandwich spot between two successes. They are one of the, the pieces of bread. <laughs> And 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 there's nothing. That, that's why I eat sandwiches. It's not for what's in the middle. It's for those two pieces of bread. Sometimes I go to restaurants and I say, "Hey, just give me the bread. Just two 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 slices of of untoasted wheat." <laughs> you know what? That's what my grandma had for breakfast every day. <laughs> and she lived to be seven thousand years old. 
Oh, all right. Well, um, that wraps up our critic reviews. Oh, so then, Sin, does that mean now it's not time to hear what other people say about this first season? Now it's time for us to share our impressions. It's time for... Our favorites. (laughs) (laughs) So, wait, you're you're, you're trying to cue me to edit in the music cue in between you saying one thing and the other? Um, (laughs) I guess. Have you listened to the show before that doesn't... Let's do some favorites, man. Yeah. Let's just look back at uh, season one here and, you know, um, just go back and forth on on some of the things we like here. So yeah. let's, let's start off. I'll throw one out um, at you first. Toss it. <clears throat> okay. What was your... Just get the big one out of the way. What yeah. was your favorite episode? So my favorite episode, it's a tie. Uh, oh. and it's I know. I'm sorry. We're going to have to break this somehow. I, I I'm going to push you to choose one over the other. You're oh. going to have to kill a darling. Or you're, go- or you're going to push me off of your balcony, and then you get to decide the favorite episode. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so it's, it's as we've discussed, mm-hmm. there are two kinds of home improvement episodes. There are episodes with a plot, and there are episodes without a plot. And... Uh, <laughs> right. uh, so the two that I'm I'm wrestling between represent the, represent the two sides of that coin the okay. uh, the much fabled uh, uh, duality of home improvement. Sure. So on the one hand, two sides of man. Yeah, uh, Two Face, the the Batman villain, um, <laughs> who was also a huge home improvement fan. Uh, so on on the one side of the co- on the plot side of the coin, my favorite episode is for whom the belch tolls. Okay. Uh, which, as you'll remember, despite. <laughs> Despite the name, it is actually one of the most heartfelt and thoughtful and kind of contemplative home improvement yes. episodes, which is where Tim has the visit from his old college pal, Stu Cutler, and yeah. has to uh, figure out what place this rowdy guy is going to play in his settled family life. So I like that episode so much because it just, it had a degree of kind of, it was constructed in a way and it was written in a way and had a kind of sense of feeling and gravity mm-hmm. that no other episode this season had. And, and there's something to be said about being taken by surprise by your reaction to something, I feel like. Yeah. In anything, not just television or, you know, a sitcom, but <clears throat> yeah. I feel like it makes the emotional uh, impact that much more, that greater when you're taken off guard. Yeah, and that and it really did. I mean, I, we both kind of realized that as we were watching it. It's both a funny episode and... I, we, you know, I've enjoyed every episode we've watched, mm-hmm. and even the, even the most transition heavy ones. There's still <laughs> stuff that I find joy in, yes. but it's yeah, it's being it's being surprised by the show was a really uh, was a really enjoyable experience, and the fact that generally the stuff that's happening on this show doesn't apply to my experiences. It's not strictly <laughs> relatable. Right. You but mean you don't have three kids and a wife and a, a neighbor you've never seen? Well, I do. I, I do. They're, that's the family I abandoned living back in Oregon <laughs> when I came down here. But we, we don't really talk about them. Okay. It, it raises it raises guilt in my mind. Heaven <laughs> uh, so like, forbid you have guilt over leaving your family. Yeah. No, I, like, why should I, why should they get in the way of me living my best life? So I so for whom the belch tolls is my choice for the for the kind of constructed uh, thoughtful episode. Okay, and then for the plotless episode, look who's not talking. Oh, the, really? Uh, yes, the episode where Jill is trying to practice that's for her speech. This surprised me. Okay, and run me through this. What I like about this episode, so and and the plot of look who's not talking is Jill is trying to practice for a speech, uh, and keeps looking for ways to distract herself. And Tim tries to keep her on task and then almost sucks Randy into a vacuum or, or Mark or <laughs> right. something. Yep. Uh, and that's really all that happens. Yeah. What I like about the episode is that it has, it's just, the, it's it's the whole show just, it is home improvement. It is yeah. pure, concentrated, 
150 cc's of just uncut home improvement. It's it's Tim being wacky. There's a good kind of more power sight gag in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very happy. It's very light. But what, and also what I think really drives it home for me and what I like is that I think it's really heartwarming in that episode how much how much Tim is trying to help Jill. How yeah, much... he is the ideal husband in that episode. He takes yeah. care of things without a hitch. It, it's it's a rare episode. Like most of the the episodes of the show are Tim creating mayhem and Jill cleaning up. And this is an episode where it's Tim is trying to get Jill to be more responsible. Mm-hmm. It's Tim is taking on these household tasks. And he wants Jill to succeed in this kind of part of her private life that doesn't have to do with motherhood. Yeah. And he and him, yeah, just how relentlessly supportive he's being when we see so many episodes where he's kind of boorish and, you know, yeah. uh, skipping out on their anniversary dinner or, or whatever. Right, the very following episode, uh, Up Your Alley, where, <laughs> yes. you know, it's a battle of the sexes. He's being very contentious, of, you know, kind of almost going in reverse from this episode, from Jill's, or uh, from a... Uh, um, look who's not talking. Yeah, the, like that. That epi- the next episode is a battle of the sexes, but this episode is like a uh, a, a a cooperation of the sexes. Yeah, which is not nearly as uh, as uh, good of a title, but it's <laughs> a good concept that we should all work for. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say look who's not talking uh, is a favorite for me, just in terms of good gags yeah. and sweetness. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna rake you over the coals a little bit here. Rake away. Okay. Because when we first started the podcast, ah, all those years ago. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> We the, were we lads. That that moment frozen in time. <laughs> <laughs> a day and a time and a place. Um, you know what I like about starting podcasts? <laughs> um, you said that you were so excited and anxious and waiting for the show to hit its stride with the balance between tool time and the home life. Yes. And neither of these two episodes that you've just mentioned uh, have that balance at all. I'm just going to throw down a smoke bomb and escape. <laughs> you've caught me for a fraud. You, you've seen you've seen through me. The scales have fallen from your eyes. Uh, yeah, man. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I like the episodes with man. You know, and I mean, and, I'm not going to read through the coals too much. I think they're both great episodes. No, no, they're both but... great episodes. And I, I think I think now. I mean, there. You know, certainly another favorite. You know, another great moment is is when Tim and Al switch places in that in that episode. Oh my god! Yeah, a battle of wheels. That's probably. I'm, I'll wait to get into my favorites, but that is hands down my favorite moment of the season or yeah. sequence or scene from the season is uh, Al becoming the host of Tool Time. And I, w- I would agree. I think that is one of the best sequences. I don't. I think that the ape, the pro- my problem with the Battle of Wheels is how weak the whole conflict between Tim and Jill in that episode is, yeah. where they're both kind of being really unrealistic to each other and nothing gets resolved. And it's, I mean. Well, yes. we, we talked about that that show, that episode would have been stronger, in my opinion, if they put the weight on the opposite stories. Because the A story is between Tim and Jill, yeah. and the B story is between Tim and Al. And, by the way, in, in doing all the gifts and stuff that I do on Twitter for this... The Lord's work, those gifts. I found the name, why it was called the Battle of Wheels. Obviously, it's a play on a Battle of Wills, yes. right? But, okay, there is, only seems to be one wheel. Right? Yeah. Okay, the pottery wheel in the garage. Yeah. The episode starts with Tim bringing in a steering wheel to the garage to put on the hot rod. Wow. I didn't even pick up on that when we watched it. But that's that must be where the the origin of that came from. So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some pressure on you. Yes. Between the two, you got to choose which is your favorite. 
for whom the belch tolls. Okay. Yeah, I I know that I know that came quick. I'm I'm gonna say, and I think I said it when I watched the episode. If if you well, I we actually you know we've been we've been talking for so long we haven't mentioned this. A development is that now you can stream Home Improvement on Hulu right now. Yeah. You can go on Hulu. You can find all the episodes we've been watching. I encourage you to do it if you want to. Yeah. Also, I mean, you, the show, we're still going to do the podcast the same way where you don't have to watch it. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to see what we've been talking about. Right. If you're going to choose one and you want to see what I think is the – it has it has all that kind of home improvement hokiness, but it also mm-hmm. could go toe-to-toe plot-wise and strength of script-wise with an, a TV show from today. Yeah. I think that um, For Whom the Belch Tolls is the one for that. I okay. think that is the – strongest one and the one that feels the least dated in terms of the way the the scripting is and the plotting is yeah it's such a a a unique problem uh such an existential problem that they deal with in that episode that just i've never seen handled on another show uh and done so well and so took me by surprise um so there you have it truman's pick uh for season one Go watch For Whom the Belch Tolls. Yes. Do it now. Uh, so so what about you? Okay. What What is your favorite episode? Do you remember back to um, Luck Be a Taylor Tonight, and we were talking about poker. Yes. And I said We, we that... talked about poker for like probably four, 45 <laughs> minutes talking about the male and female dynamics of poker. We did, but yeah. um, specifically, we said that uh, I was playing the long game, the long con on you to um, understand how you work so that I could manipulate... Um, my my hand here. I knew you were gonna pick for whom the belch tolls. What what, what Wallace Shawn in Princess Bride thing are you doing right now? Did I drink the poison? Whose water is whose? No, I I I, I didn't know you were gonna pick that. I had a sneaking suspicion because I really wanted to pick that as my favorite episode, and I thought even if he doesn't pick it, we can still talk about it. You shouldn't have let me go first. That would be the thing. Yeah. Well, I think for whom the belch tolls is a fantastic episode. Uh, that would be the flip side to my coin as well. For me, I was torn between um, taking For Whom the Belch Tolls out of the equation. I was torn between choosing Flying Sauces, because uh, it's our introduction to the k construction guys. Um, it's, as a child, imprinted itself in my brain because it's just so playful with them. Uh, so the, to give you the, the brief synopsis, Brad and Randy, Brad and Randy, there's a callback. <laughs> Um, they actually, I think that's the episode it started in. Oh yeah. Um, they, uh, tell Mark that the, their entire family are aliens, blood, uh, brain sucking aliens. Much like Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that Mark has to walk backwards in order to prevent them from eating his brain. I remember that. Yeah. That was pretty funny. And so this comes out to, uh, Tim and Jill and, uh, they decide, oh, well, let's prank the boys back. And so they dust off their old uh, records and they put together this big uh, production to scare Brad and Randy by uh, mimicking an alien invasion. And and some and these aliens happen to love Iron Butterfly in the song <laughs> Inagata Navita. Nothing sounds more like aliens than 70s psychedelic rock. <laughs> um, and just the, the image of Jill popping up on the couch with those Richard Keel teeth and yeah. Tim walking in the, the welder suit with the, the lights. Like, that is one of the few, like, five images in my head when I think of home improvement. Um, 
What I will always remember from that episode, because it has stuck in my mind, and I think that mm-hmm. is a real signpost, and that was, I think, the first time Home Improvement really showed the world, hey, we're just going to be weird sometimes. Yeah. We're just, you know, we're going to do an episode that's mostly Tim and Jill playing pop music trivia and then dancing. <laughs> uh, but what I will always remember from that is just the the ending credits where Inagata Navita's playing in the backyard, yeah. and it kind of... First, it's just an empty backyard, and then Tim and Jill in their Halloween costumes kind of fade in, dancing to the music, and I think they fade back out again. (laughs) That's right, yeah. That moment from it is always kind of in my head for what home improvement is at its silliest. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, So that's why I was tempted. Plus, as I said, the introduction of the K&B construction guys, uh, just seeing them, that was the one where they were cooking on on set. Um, Yes. And that's just iconic to me, but... <clears throat> I, I I really wish that I could rake you over some coals for that, but that is a good <laughs> that is a good answer. I wouldn't I mean I wouldn't say that one myself just because on a on a you know plotty scripty level it doesn't hold mm-hmm. up in the way that I like to, but it's without a doubt fun. I don't know. The, the more I look back at the show and think about the show, I realize how much I enjoy the K and B guys and right. how how great it is that they get that introduction there. But yeah, that that episode is. Uh, I I support your choice wholeheartedly. I'm glad you that's, didn't pick for whom the belch tolls. <laughs> that was a very plot light episode, but that's not my favorite. Oh, it's not your favorite. No, that's not my favorite. I wasn't I was listening to you. Tempted to pick that, what? but I didn't pick it. Oh, okay, so it's all been one big ruse. This has all been one big ruse. Just a moment in time. <laughs> I think the my choice is not going to be a surprise to you or anybody else. Let me let me get. Is the word bubble in the title twice? <laughs> It is. Oh, okay, okay. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. Ah, there it is. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Please do. I've got seven points. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Wait, you brought a PowerPoint, too? What is this? Wait, you built a diorama? Why do you need a diorama? Need Wait, why are these interpretive them? dancers coming in? Landon, what have you got planned for me? <laughs> Welcome to the Season 1 Spectacular. <laughs> this is an awful lot of, of work just to impress me. <laughs> All right, so Bubble Bubble Toil and Trouble, to me, shows home improvement running on all of its piston, pistons at once. To, to rehash the plot of this real quickly, Tim wants to redo the bathroom, the upstairs master bathroom. Gets Binford Tools and Tool Time to uh, sponsor it, to do it, to do the renovation with the caveat that they film it for a two-part episode of Tool Time. However, Tim goes a little overboard. As he is wont to do. As he is wont to do. Uh, it becomes an 18-day project where the lawn is flooded, the gas mains have been busted, there's a huge hole in the wall, Jill has left him and taken the kids to... And then she comes back at the end and misses him, and that that's the, the thing. So, <clears throat> to me, it shows uh, home improvement, because you see the, like, the energy of tool time on location for the first time, right? We see their bedroom for the first time, yeah. we see the bathroom for the first time, and you've got that long one-take... Yeah, um, the Inaritu shot, as we yeah, refer yeah. to it. The, the Paul Thomas Anderson Boogie Night shot. Yeah, yes. exactly. And th- there's just so much energy in that. Um, and not to mention, it's also the the shot that's uh, called to in Black Mirror, which is the inception of the show. That's not one of my seven points, but, but well, no, no, but it all it all ties in. Yeah. I mean, that episode that episode is the one that made this whole show happen. I guess yeah. we have to give it some props. There you go. Yeah, it's home improvement running on all pistons. There's marital conflict between Tim and Jill in like a real way, not a you know superfluous battle of the sexes writer concepts or anything. This is one of the ones where it feels like a real fight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, tool time is an essential part of the episode. You cannot separate tool time out of this episode. Yeah, um, which I feel like is just quintessential home improvement. Um, it not only shows Tim's ineptitude 
and his hubris, but also his good intentions and uh, his full capacity for destruction if it goes unchecked. Yeah. Um, which we hadn't seen up until this point in the show. Yeah, that um, isn't just destroying the dishwasher. That's destroying <laughs> the whole thing. Not in destroying the house, but destroying a marriage. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, yeah. It's like it's working on a lot of levels for me. Now, this is the this is what really does it is Patricia Richardson's performance at the end of this episode. Like, I get, I get. Do you see that guy? Goosebumps. That that is what. Whoa, man! And it's really warm in here too. That's a real <laughs> achievement. It's uh, it's one of it. It solidified, in my mind, that she is one of the best television actresses, uh, sitcom, whatever you want to say. She, her her heartfelt, I missed you, coming back from the hotel, yeah. being like, I'm so mad, but I can't stand to be away from you. Yeah. Like, she's got tears in her eyes, her voice is choking up. It's just, it's such a realistic performance that, in addition to it being just a great episode of Home Improvement, a great performance on top of it, um... And it introduced me to one of my favorite fan, uh, fan theories about the show. Which is? That Tim might be cursed. Ah, yes, which yeah. then gets explored not, not too long after. Yeah, exactly, which we'll, we'll go into uh, in a little bit later. And also, what the, the thing you didn't mention about that episode, I agree with all your points. Mm-hmm. Also, on a show called Home Improvement, that's an episode where they improve an uh-huh. entire home. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So, boom. More than all of your points are invalid yeah. because that, that one takes the cake. <laughs> well, point seven I have is... Uh, oh, you weren't even done with your points. Just, uh, just the title, which is based on uh, the Macbeth, uh, which is monologue at the beginning. Double, double, toil and trouble. This one's bubble, bubble, toy and trouble, which is just really fun to say. And also, well, you do have fun saying it. You've been having, and I have fun watching you say it. Bubble, bubble, toy and trouble. Ooh. I mumbled that one a little bit, but that's fine. Well, and you know, also, if they're taking the name of the episode from the play Macbeth, it only makes sense then that Tim would be cursed in that episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's my pick. If you're going to go uh, look for, like, the quintessential home improvement running on all all pistons, I'm going to keep using that phrase over. <laughs> you should try and find a way to work more power into it, too. Uh, mm. I got nothing. Well, don't try too hard right no, now. Yeah, yeah, don't break. <laughs> yeah, don't break any of your pistons. No. Uh, so that's that's my pick. I okay. love bubble, 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 toil and trouble. Bubble, 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 bubble. I, I I love you saying it again. I, You'd think how many times you say it, we'd be better at saying it. I know. I gotta. I'm coming off a cold right now, so um. you know, a shoddy craftsman blames his tools, Landon. <laughs> uh, so so. Uh, a lot of guest stars in this season. There have been a lot of a lot of random friends and and neighbors. Soon and to be famous, by. not uh, once famous, um, never yeah. famous. Yeah, <laughs> there are a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so of this of of this kind of uh, flotsam and jetsam of humanity yeah. that, that drifted through the Taylors' lives, uh, who was your favorite? This show really has surprised me in. Um, it's guest star casting. Yeah. Like, the casting department on this show is, like, really on point. They get actors who don't just throw away these walk-on roles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, go, they go all out. Yeah. Um, who, who do you want to... Do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Well, I know who my, I know who my favorite uh, guest star... Well, again, it's a tie. It's okay. A two-way, it's a two-way tie. I'm going to press you to choose one over the other. Oh, well, I know, I know. Okay. I just, I'm just putting these options out there. Do it. Uh, obviously... Can be construction guys yes. are are the front front runners. Which will will be a little lenient and group them all as one because they only appear together. Yeah, I'm not gonna name one Kane B construction guy. <laughs> Though if you were, which one would you? Uh, if you had to marry fuck kill the uh, Kane B construction guys. <laughs> 
if okay, well, look, I know the one I'd marry is the is the one uh for in the Ratchet Rhapsody episode who's wearing the Devo goggles and his dance is just holding a power drill really? and two stepping right. left, marry two stepping right. All right. Yeah, I would marry Rock. Okay. Marry Rock kill. Uh <laughs> paper scissors. Uh, so can be construction guys, obviously front runners. Yes. Uh, and then the other option is touchdown Rick just yeah. for how much. J- and really, when you think about that, can be construction guys have been kind of centerpieces of three episodes yeah. and touchdown Rick has not that many lines and only shows up once. Yes. I think it speaks to just how, how much fun he had with the role and he how much fun so I had so enthusiastic. Him. You don't yeah. see a character or an actor throw himself into such a small part mm-hmm. with as much enthusiasm as he did on in, with that role. When he pops up in that window, it is just pure excitement. You know, Landon, I want to correct you there. You said, seldom do you see an actor throw themselves into such a small part. I, I don't know if you knew this, but there are no small parts, actually. There are only small actors. So, you know, Terror of Tiny Town. Yeah, so those are my two. Okay. But if you if, if you pressed me for even half of a second, I know what my choice would be for my number one. I'm going to press you for a full second. Ah, can be construction. Oh, okay. Can be. There it is. I'm sorry. Uh, who, who, who's your favorite guest star? You know, I do think that there is a very strong case uh, to be made for Sir Larry and Touchdown Rick. Uh, mostly Touchdown Rick because he set the bar so high for um, all future guest stars. Like, that's the level of casting that they're going for. Mm. Um, so, I, and... Sam McMurray is also near and dear to my heart. You, you liked Rond all that much. I don't. I didn't like Rond all that much, but I love Sam McMurray. I think he he embraces his characters so he plays such a lecherous character. But it's this. not who's your favorite character actor. It's who's your favorite fair. guest right. star. That's very true. Now, you like those coals? You like being raked I, over them? Yeah. I went to Home Depot <laughs> totally about fair. an extra long rake. It's only fair. And some coals. Get ready for this bullshit because I didn't choose for whom the bells chills as my favorite episode. I am going to choose Stu Cutler in For Whom the Bells Tolls, played by Michael McDonald as my favorite character. You know, much much as I didn't choose uh, Flying Sauces as my favorite episode, ah. I did pick the KB Construction oh, guys. Yeah, yeah you got a little cultural exchange in here. I like that. So, so Stu really did it for you. He, he played that character so well, it got yeah, you. Yeah, I think it was just an incredibly solid performance, and uh, quite possibly of all the guest performers we've seen on the show... Um, it's the one where the narrative rested so heavily on his shoulders, on the guest star's shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, he pulls off the character that is like at once incredibly broad, but has these very specific mo- uh, moments of nuance. Um, and it, it just really, I think is a testament to his acting ability. I think, I think he really brought it. Unlike can be where they get to play, you know, just fun guys doing yeah. crazy stuff. Um, which I love, and you know, there, I will never contest someone choosing K and B construction. Um, I just, I was really uh, bowled over by Christian McDonald, so that's my choice. Yeah, well, you know, I and it's again, it's two sides of the coin. Uh, Christopher McDonald is home improvement at its uh, thoughtful and contemplative best, yes. and K and B construction is home improvement at its wacky best. Yeah, the episode. Two-thirds of the K&B Construction Guys episodes are not plot-heavy episodes. <laughs> it's true. They are episodes that are mainly like, K&B Construction showed yeah. up. You like these guys, well, right? And then in the one that is, it's not even like they don't have a K&B Construction segment on Tool Time. They're just showing up at the bowling alley. Yeah, they're just, for whatever reason, they live in town now. <laughs> so those are our favorite uh, guest stars. Who are yours? Hit us up on Twitter. The number is 1-800-555-TWITTER. <laughs> Oh, we have fun here. Send your comments to 555 Twitter Avenue, the internet. (laughs) 
<laughs> Toluca Lake, California, 91621. Oh, is that a real? I, I started doing my zip code, and then I was like, maybe don't put your zip code out there. So then I put some <laughs> random numbers in it. Also, I don't think the internet is located in Toluca Lake. I yeah, live near Toluca Lake, and I have not. Fair. I would notice the internet. It's pretty big. <laughs> um, we're moving on to the next portion of the favorites. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be very... It's going to get very testy in here. Okay. Because we're moving on to... Who is this season? Season one. Who is the MVP of the main cast? Because otherwise we'd just say uh, George Foreman. George Foreman. Because right. he is the MVP. <laughs> But what we have to decide, you and I, we're not going to list our individual MVPs. You and I are going to debate and come up with the definitive MVP of the season. I'm prepared. Are you? All yes. Right. Put on your master debater hat. I, I, I wear it all the time. <laughs> Which in my mind was uh, like a graduation cap. Is that what <laughs> debaters wear when they're on stage? No, no, no. The, the master debater cap is, is a trucker cap that you can get at Venice Pier that, that says master debater <laughs> on it. And then you oh, pair my. that with, with my I pooped today t-shirt with Stewie Griffin on it. And oh, you're I love it. riding your hoverboard back and forth. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's establish some criteria. Let's. All right. I love establishing criteria. All right. What did uh, the character bring to the show, or the actor bring to the show? Mm-hmm. Okay. And what would the show be without those characters, those actors, playing yeah. those characters, obviously? Yeah. Um, that's criteria number one. Okay. Criteria number two, uh, what was their progression throughout the season? Were they stagnant? Did they have a large character arc? Did they develop their character more, you know? Uh, I think that is an interesting thing to track. Yeah. And uh, how many moments of brilliance they had throughout, you know, how many standout moments each actor had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have any cr- criteria to add to that? I, I I have no criteria. I think those three, I think those three are, are adequate to do it. And I think that they also, under those criteria, it steers me away from going with what I think would be the, the natural assumption for who we'd pick. Yes. Yeah. Because I think that that if you were just to say who were the seasons who was the season's MVP and leave it at that, I would say Patricia Richardson. Oh, because, interesting. Because she, you know, we we've talked in pretty much every episode. Even the critics who didn't like the show yeah. have said how great she is, and I, you know, I think it cannot mm-hmm. be argued that she makes the show the show wouldn't work without her yeah. to be this counterpoint to Tim. Yes. Uh, but well, let's run through the contenders of, okay. of who is. In the, the cast of what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, We've got the main guys, right? Tim. Yeah. We've got uh, Patricia Richardson, Richard Karn, Earl Hinman. We got the boys, mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Zachary Ty Bryan, and Karen Noah Smith. Get, you, you, got, you got all the slot machine plays that worked. And I suppose we have to throw in Pamela Anderson. <laughs> I suppose we have to throw in Pamela Anderson. I mean, I would love to include her with more enthusiasm, but it's not her fault. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, unless you have a very strong case for her. No, I, I, I don't. I wish that I could. Again, I really wanted it to work for her. Goodbye, Pamela Anderson. You are eliminated. Yeah, well, she's still going to be on the next season, dude. You can't eliminate her retroactively. Well, she's eliminated from the MVP contend- uh, consideration. Uh, you are right the now. weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> Topical references. Um... Well, well. So, I mean, can we get into the actual? Yeah, let's do it, man. Okay. Well, I would have said Patricia Richardson. Yeah. But but when it's when you ask, you know, what was their progression through the season? Mm-hmm. 
you know, Jill doesn't really progress through the season. It's like true. She, she does not really have an arc. She in is, fact, she kind of degresses because it's the first episode that she's going out for a job interview. Yeah, and really the only other like ambition that the writers give her is that uh, charity auction uh, for the library where well, she's doing the. Your, one of your favorite episodes. Yeah, yeah. And then when she also, when she gets the pottery wheel, right. her whole reasoning for getting it is, I need to have a life outside of you and the boys, which right. is the whole reason she wanted to get a job in the in the first episode. Tries to get a job, can't get a job. Uh, uh, tries, you know, speaks to the library thing, and I guess that goes well. Uh, and then she tries to get a pottery wheel to get a hobby, uh, but she and Tim can't make it wor- both work in the garage, and then they never resolve it. They just have sex in the garage. Mm-hmm. So... It's sort of like, yeah, degressing might be the thing. Like, even though Patricia Richardson's performance is great, even though she does bring a lot to the show, yeah. her character doesn't really grow throughout the season. It's true. She, and I would say, I, personally, I think she is the top performer oh, of yeah. the cast. Yeah. Uh, different than Richard Karn. You know, yes. just working on very different levels. Yeah. Uh, but she is like... The actor's actor, I yeah. feel like, of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that level, she would be my MVP, but she doesn't have a whole lot... She's not given a lot of moments of brilliance. Yeah. There are a few, like, really great uh, lines she has when, like, he comes home with the board on his head or his hands are turned green, and she's kind of having the, you know, playful uh, banter with him. Yeah. Um, but really, she just brings the gravitas. Yeah. She brings the realness to the show. Yeah. Um, so she, she doesn't really fit these other criteria. She needs... There ne- There needed to be a quote... A quote-unquote straight man <laughs> for the... Uh, for... Uh, to, for Tim to bounce off of. Yeah. And that person had to be there. And I think that Patricia Richardson does the best job of playing that character out of mm-hmm. anyone. Like, anyone else would have played it in a way that was very stereotypically the lame downer yeah. life. Uh, and so she does a great job with the material that she's got, but I don't know if that hits MVP status. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's not eliminate her quite yet and oh, look certainly. at some of these other stuff, yeah. and then we'll come back and eliminate yeah, her yeah. in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> if needed. Um, okay. Well, let's move on to uh, some of the kids, I think. Maybe we can start to eliminate the weaker links here. Yeah. Um, I was really surprised by Zachary Ty Bryan. I think he has the the most interesting arc in this series. I don't or know. in this season. I wouldn't... Of the three boys, yes. Uh, I think he does have an interesting arc going from just being kind of... From them... From the the writers not knowing what to do with him. Like, we've got a cute kid. We've got a mischievous Mm -hmm. kid. What's this other kid gonna be? And then it's, oh, he's the puberty kid. He's the... Yeah. uh, The kid, you know, dating girls. Yeah, exactly. But we we see him go through... um, They give him the, the teenage romance to kind of explore... And he does go from being just a general all-American Midwest kid to, you know, actually having a trajectory and having a, a drive. Um, I, I would argue that it's more so than Al. Really? Yeah. Because well, Al doesn't feel – his his intentions don't feel like they change. His motivations don't feel like they change from the beginning to the end. Um, we're It's revealed more uh, throughout the, the show, but I do think that – for me, his arc is uh, Zachary Ty Bryan's arc is the the greatest. Okay, well, I mean, he does turn from Brad into Bradley as time goes on. <laughs> yeah, and there you, you go. Get, you do get that sense that as time goes by, he's getting ashamed of his family. He's yeah. trying to be more high society and refined. Yeah. To try and live up to the Sadarskis. Well, let's try and uh, okay. Well, let's keep him in the running then. Well, let, well, let's let's press some of this other criteria against him real quick. Yeah, he doesn't really have too many moments of brilliance. Um, one moment that I personally loved from him was when Jill wanted to uh, show him how to dance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, like, does that super long 
drag himself off the wall like oh, i don't want to do this yeah um but for the most part uh he's not given too much to do not too many um uh hilarious moments you know i'm thinking the arcade stuff uh you know there's some stuff there but um i i don't think he meets that level and it's not zachary ty brian's fault it's just you know he's one of three kids and yeah you got to split that stuff between them well, yeah, I know. I, I agree, and you make some some good points there. I think that Zachary Ty Bryan, uh, uh, Brad, yeah. as they call him, Bradley, uh, Bradley, uh, has has does have a pretty interesting arc because from you know from the beginning of the show, I, I couldn't even keep the kids' names straight, yeah. and now it's certainly easier for me to to uh, keep all nine of those <laughs> those young boys' names yes. in order because I you know everyone knows Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Tara Noah Smith now I, I associate with the naive and easily manipulated Mark. Right. But then, yeah, Zachary Ty Bryan's relationship with Jenny Sadarsky is really what kind of defines him. Yeah. Much in the same way that Tim's relationship with Jill defines him yeah. to some degree. Well, okay, so let's just do a quick rundown of these boys, uh, pressing our criteria against them. Do you think what, – what did Zachary Ty Bryan bring to the show and, you know, could the show continue without him? Uh, the, the, the show could continue without him. Yeah. Like, Tim's, Tim's a father, regardless of how many boys Agreed. he has. So, as far as this season goes, and it's not a, a dig on him, no, specifically, certainly. it's just, you know. If you're listening. How the chips, uh, fell in this, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's not the forefront, you know, I don't think he's, you know, bolstering. And I could, I think, I'm gonna make a bold claim that you could say that about all three kids. I'm, I'm, I'm posing a, a three-way elimination here. Uh, three- <laughs> Like, That's what she said. <laughs> I was really blown away by Turn Noah Smith uh, and finding him really cute and endearing, yeah. uh, which I know we kind of well, we, yeah. I don't tend we're to, at odds with at the beginning of the show. I, I don't yeah. I don't tend to be done in by cute kids, yeah. but 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 Mark was kind of an exception. He yeah. really he really did it. Uh, but his cuteness wore off. Not I mean, not to his detriment. I mean, I don't think he became obnoxious or anything, but. Um, you know, by the end, he wasn't doing as cutesy stuff. They, mm-hmm. The producers and the writers weren't giving him, writing him, you know, super things. He kind of became just like the linchpin for a lot of Brad and Randy shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shabranigans. Shabranigans. Brand Randigans. Just all, we're just making noises. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rock Lanigans. <laughs> Rock can be construction. There we go. Um, <laughs> Full circle. Uh, yeah, I think by the end of the show, I think that uh, that that Mark's gullibility had become a punchline in its yeah, own way. Exactly. I mean, it's something like, why, why can't we? Why can't we just blame? Tell Mark that he broke our bike, and then he'll exactly. take the blame. It, it almost became Mark's gullibility. Almost became the Kramer sliding through the door, where it's like we even discussed in one of the episodes, where it's like they just cut to the chase at a certain point. Remember when? Uh, I think it was uh, you better watch out. Where, um, no, 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 it was Jill's birthday. Yeah. Where they, they cut out the whole part of Mark telling on them and just like cut to later in the episode, Tim standing there going, have you ever heard about the angry father tax? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Brad and Randy having, uh, finagled Mark's allowance out of him, <laughs> uh, to buy Jill's birthday present. Yes. That pirate's um, booty that no, that no one really liked. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, well, yeah, so, so, but we're thinking though we can eliminate the boys from the contention. Yeah, though, I mean, I think we do have to pose, to do our due diligence, we yes, do have course. to talk about the heartthrob. The, the, the JTT. JTT. The JTT. 
he brings more to the show than the other two. He agreed. He he brings you know he he brings this this childhood mischief, this Bart Simpsony character. Yeah. Uh, to the show, he and he brings a sort of comedy, a puckish sort of comedy, to the show that you don't really get elsewhere. I mean, yeah. like you see a version of that from Tim, but it's a different joke because right. it's a grown man acting like a kid, whereas Randy is a kid acting like a kid in a really yeah. precocious way. Well, I'll, I'll I'll pose it like this: uh, I, I think that they all have very natural talents, mm-hmm. and Randy's uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas's just happens to be a superstar, whereas <laughs> Brad, you know, Zachary Ty Bryan, is just much more natural in his skin, and like he can be the all American kid, whereas Jonathan Taylor Thomas is very much like I'm in a mug. I can, you know roll with the the big dogs i can you know spar with tim allen a bit and it'll be funny because i just have that ingrained natural talent and i think that's why the dynamic between brad and randy develop the way it does where brad is kind of playing second fiddle to randy due to those natural talents being different yeah jonathan taylor thomas is very much the hollywood superstar whereas zachary ty bryan feels more like kind of a chicago theater actor who plays a lot of really <laughs> intense bit roles and gets deep in his parts he's like like I think many people at the time were saying that Zachary Ty Bryan was truly the the uh, John Malkovich of child actors, <laughs> uh, Daniel Day Lewis, if you will. Actually, it's sort of a method bit before doing this show. Oh my god! He actually he actually started dating a girl named Jenny Sadarsky <laughs> just to understand what that would feel like, and I think that that, that comes oh. through in the performance. He he inhabits the role in a way that few other uh, young boys do. Uh, indeed, but. We're talking... So, Randy... Uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, I think, of the three boys, has the most moments of brilliance. Mm-hmm. Especially when he's sparring with Tim, because I think he is, like, on par with uh, with Jill at points yeah. when, like, Tim's coming home and uh, with a table on his head. That was one of the, the high points for me. But, you know, what's his progression throughout the, the season? There's not much. He starts kind of as a rambunctious, snotty kid. Or randbunctious. A randbunctious... Son of a bitch. Um, well, hey, don't talk about Jill that way. <laughs> oh, I would never. But he ends as the same character as he begins. Yeah. There's yeah. no progression for him. There's no real story given to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that regard, I think I think all three boys can be eliminated. Yep. Yep. Big red X. Okay. So that leaves us then with Tim, Allen, Patricia Richardson, Richard Karn, and Earl Hindman. Yeah. In the, in, in the running. Can I throw out my controversial... Statement now? Yeah, throw it out. I think we should eliminate Tim Allen. Uh, you know, I think we should too purely because... I mean, on the one hand, the show wouldn't exist without Tim. Yes. and Right, he is the tentpole for that criteria. And, and he has... I mean, I guess he... There's not really develop... He doesn't really develop through the season. This, mm-hmm. The whole sh- show is just him being the same guy. Right. I mean, you know, on the other hand, he brings everything to the show, and the show would yes. be nothing without him. And and it's full of moments of brilliance from him. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I think what we're really trying to get at with the MVP is who, who, Tim plus who makes the best show. True, but I think, you know, the door should be left open that Tim could be the MVP in future seasons. Sure. Uh, because I just, my my stance on this is that this first season wouldn't have been a successful show without the supporting cast. Of course. Uh, you see so many failed sitcoms from, you know, stand-up stars that just didn't work because of one thing or another. For me, it is the supporting cast that really, it's the Al's, it's the Jill's, it's the Wilson's that um, that really, really shoulder the, the burden of 
getting this to be a successful show. And I think Tim's moments of brilliance would only be half as brilliant without the reaction of the cast as well. Yeah, yeah. So, no, if if Tim was the MVP, then his stand-ups, they could have just put his stand-up mm-hmm. on every night for half an hour, and that would have been the thing. Exactly. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that he might have an arc uh, in, a, in a future season. And, you know, let's, let's be honest. We're talking very minimal arcs. I, we're talking it, about it's sitcoms. sitcoms. <laughs> yeah, 90s sitcoms at that. And home um, improvement yeah. of all 90s sitcoms. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, no, but I will I will back you on that. Okay, so yeah. Tim Allen in a controversial move. Yes, eliminated and upset. You know, uh, late season upset. <laughs> so just to to do a quick recap, we've eliminated Pamela Anderson, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, uh, Zachary Ty Bryan, and Tara Noah Smith, and Patricia Richardson is on the chopping block, guys. Yes, she hasn't been eliminated yet, but she's there. Yeah, she's she's on the edge. Ooh, I know. I, I'm I, nervous about that. Well, I'm well. We have all the power here. I mean, don't be too nervous. Not well, yeah. I know. I just don't want our friendship to uh, to uh, suffer due to well, letting a woman come between us. We always <laughs> swore that would never happen. <laughs> but, but when we swore that, admittedly, we also said, "But all bets are off. If it's Patricia Richardson." Fair. Yeah. Okay. Who does that leave us? That leaves us with Patricia Richardson, Richard Karn, and Earl Hindman. Okay. So, who do you want to talk about? Al or Wilson? Uh, let's talk about Wilson. Ooh, okay. Wilson's God. We yeah. we know that. Uh, I <laughs> think. You know? We'll well, cover that. Do, in a do, I'm, I'm, you know, I have faith. <laughs> uh, and he he is he is. I mean, he brings a lot to the show. I mean, the reviewers yes. uh, it, like he he gives the show its uh, kind of brainy uh, the the brainy spine and or the the yeah. the, the, the the philosophical underpinnings beneath all of this grunting mm-hmm. and and uh, farting and chest scratching and belching. But let's take it one step even further in scope, uh, broader in scope, which is Earl Hinman playing Wilson. Do you think another actor could have uh, handled that in the same way? Uh, I don't think. Well, I mean that's hard. That's hard to say. I mean, yeah, it is hard. To, it's impossible. Sc- I mean, they could have it, literally but... had John Malkovich behind the fence, <laughs> right? Based on what we are given to work with here. Uh, how much do you think Earl Hinman is contributing to the the gravitas of this? I I think that he contributes like to the show. I think yeah. he contributes a lot of gravitas to it. I think he makes this weird part work mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of actors couldn't. Agreed. And he gives and he makes Wilson seem down to earth, even though he's saying things that that any other actor like it would have been very easy to play Wilson like Frazier on Cheers, yeah. who is who is by virtue of his intelligence and the things that he's talking about and thinking about alienated from the rest of the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but he play, he puts these kind of Frasier caliber ideas <laughs> in a folksy Midwestern backyard friendly right. neighbor way that makes them accessible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so he's full of moments of brilliance and he brings a lot to the show. Yeah. I think the show could still work without Wilson. Hmm. It wouldn't I be, might disagree with that. It wouldn't work as well. Okay. Well, that's an interesting caveat. Uh I I don't think it would work without him. I do think he has a lot of moments of brilliance. Yeah. Uh funny and insightful. Yeah. You know, we get that that first Wilson grunt we get was like unexpected and hilarious. True. When they start getting really meta with Wilson like when he holds up the painting that's only half That's painted, pretty good. And and when he says to, and when he uh, when he talks to Tim in that episode and gives Tim the wrong advice, and then Tim comes back and he says, "Well, it's not it's not good to get me in the morning, Tim." <laughs> yes, right. That's a fantastic line. And you know what? That is actual. That is progression through the season. So I was actually thinking about bumping Earl Hindman, but I, he he might he might have to stay in contention because 
Yeah, you're right. He is really essential to the show, and he does mm-hmm. grow as a character, and in his in his usage through time, he kind of broadens what he means to the show and the way they use him. I mean, he yeah. becomes Santa Claus at one point. <laughs> he does, yeah. Uh, that's right. He even uh, helps Tim out of the woods at one point. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he is just randomly hiking or randomly <laughs> camping in the snow at the same place. <laughs> Um, so that's a, that's a fairly strong case for Earl Hinman, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. One person left. Let's talk about him. Richard, Mr. Karn. Richard Karn. Mr. Richard Karn. Now, I was hesitant. I, when, in thinking about this question and, and my debate points with you. Yes. I was very hesitant to start to make a strong case for him. Purely on the fact that he isn't given much to do for the first half of this season. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really come into play until, like, episode nine. I mean, he's he's there from the get-go. He's on the first pilot episode. But as we've discussed, you know, they didn't give him much to do. His, you know, he's always going to be a, a replacement actor for the main character coming in whenever, um, which never happened. Yeah. However, I think his progression from mid-season to the end of the season is so strong that it it's like doubled the power. It gave it's, it more power. More power. Yeah. <laughs> we do awful grunts yeah i know yeah we should that's really what we should be working on uh that's our progression (laughs) through this whole podcast we will have true tim grunts by the end of this by the the end of it after putting more scrutiny into tim allen's grunting than anyone else has we will actually get good at doing an impression of it okay Mm -hmm. uh we will become true men yeah uh i think that is that a play on your name oh Oh, <laughs> uh, you son of a bitch. Uh, I think that, that Al, um, you know, yes, they didn't give him much to work with at the beginning, but I think that that speaks more to his progression as a character and to yeah. his his brilliance and to, to just everything that he brings. Because, yeah. as we were saying earlier, even when he doesn't have lines, his character is embodied through the way that he moves around the set yes. and, the way that he, and the way that he looks at the camera and just how... He establishes very early on that he's not going to be he's not going to be constantly blowing up at Tim or yelling yeah. at Tim or nagging Tim. He's going to be silently suffering through it and kind yes. of and building this connection with the audience. And I really think that the, the way that that Al always makes these asides and and the kind of character that he developed uh, in the background in those early episodes, right. I think that fed into the fact that as the show goes on and it's made clear that he's a favorite with the tool time audience and yeah. maybe liked more than Tim. <laughs> I, I think, I think that he, he first won over the writers and then the writers, it wrote it that Lord, he was, yeah, that he was winning over the kind fans. Of, if you want to tie this back into Frasier, the way that the writers of cheers, uh, didn't know what to do with Kelsey Grammer after the, the uh, breakup with Diane and Frazier. Yeah. And they just started giving him the most asinine, crazy stuff to do. And to Kelsey Grammer's credit, would take it and run with it. Yeah. And make it brilliant. And he became a fan favorite, obviously spawning his own TV show. Yeah, yeah. Where is my Al Borland spinoff? <laughs> That's what I'm really gearing for here. Yeah. Well, when is Al going to move to Seattle? When is Al <laughs> going to get his own radio show? Really? Seattle. Could... Yeah. <laughs> nope. That doesn't even work. Because it's A-T, not A-L. doesn't matter. Seattle. Keep going. Seattle. Uh, no, but you could really drop Al into... Like, like you could take Frasier and just put Al in it instead. Like, oh, yeah. I moved to Seattle to get my own call-in home improvement show, and I live here with this wacky family who you never <laughs> knew that I had in the other show. Right. It, it, he has this... I think Al, more than anyone else on the show, is a strong enough character that he could be 
the center of his own show. Agreed. Which is why, well, except for Tim, who is the center of his own show, but yeah. we eliminated him. Yeah. Uh, that is why, that is why I believe, I believe Richard Karn is the MVP. Mm. I, I don't know if you wanted me to say it right now, but that's... You've, you've made a bold claim. I've made a bold claim. All right. I, I, would put, I would put him ahead of Patricia Richardson and Earl Hindman, both of whom are essential. I'll, I will agree with you that the show wouldn't be the same without him. Yeah. That he has the most moments of brilliance, in my personal opinion, throughout the show. Yes. And the biggest moments of brilliance. And also the smallest moments of brilliance. And brilli- the smallest. The, the quietest... Yeah. Just the, the, the widest range of brilliance. Him, <laughs> him, him extinguishing the smoldering thing, and then just looking at the camera with soot all over his face and walking away. Yes, that 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 it start. He's facing away from the camera, extinguishing the thing. Turns around, then you then you yep. get the shock of oh, he's got the soot on his face, and he just looks into yep. the camera with that deadpan burn. And if we're talking about progression, now it might not be a character arc, which I realize is what we posed with Brad. If you, but it's. It is a character arc, but it is legitimately an actor's arc of creating a character from nothing into an icon in a matter of a season. Yes, but he also, on a character level, uh, it's regularly Tim makes comic hay out of the fact that Al is a bachelor, has no women in his life, lives alone. And then by the end of the season, uh, Al is making, like... A, Al is just pushing back at Tim's constant abuse right. and finally taking him to task for it after it's built up over several episodes. And then also, Al actually gets a woman in his life. Yeah. And that is a sub, like, that's something that was established sooner that he's anxious about and yeah, that gets right. paid off. And on uh, nothing more than feelings, that's where he breaks, that's like mm-hmm. Al's first big moment when he mm-hmm. breaks down when they're all having guy talk. Yeah. And he starts crying. And, uh, you know, that, you know, about, um, uh, not having a girlfriend and going home to a single bedroom apartment and like those things were established uh, halfway through the season and then brought to fruition. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, do we want to revisit Patricia Richardson? Uh, I mean, you can try and convince me to. to, to I, you to know, I, I'm position. not going to. I'm going to do a double chop. Patricia Richardson, I love you so much. I love you too. Goodbye. Goodbye. You're Earl the- Hinman. Rest in peace. God doesn't need to be told that he's an MVP. Yeah. He he makes the MVPs. Yes. We'll go with that. Uh, Even though we just chose who the MVP is. But there's yeah. a little Wilson in all of us. Let's do a little ceremonious thing. Congratulations, Richard Karn. You are the season one MVP. Let's move on to the one topic everybody's been talking about. The, the reason for the season. It's <laughs> I like that. Uh, it's on everybody's lips. Truman. Let's talk about... The grunt count. Let's talk about grunts, baby. Let's talk about... <laughs> no, no, we agreed we were never going to sing again on this. On this. Uh, yeah, so what, what, what do you want to know? What okay. do you want to know about grunts? Well, I'm the okay. grunt man. If anyone's just tuning in... Uh, we've this been... is the bad one to tune into. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout our watching, we've been keeping tallies on how many times Tim specifically grunts. And by we, I mean Truman. Because uh, I have no part in this. I just like to guess how many grunts there are per episode. It, hey, you know, and that's what makes it a horse race. <laughs> uh, and why? Because you demand it. And by you, I mean we. And by demand it, I mean thought it was a good idea when we started this podcast. I mean, what kind of men would we be if we started a <laughs> podcast called Grunt Work and then someone asked us, like, hey, how many times has he grunted? And we were like, oh, we didn't do the work about the grunts. <laughs> I, I mean, you got to cover your ass here, folks. It's True. like It's like if the West Wing didn't take place in the west wing of the white house the, 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 and like what would be it's like if the wire had no wires in it 
It's like if the show Deadwood wasn't set in Deadwood. It's like if Deadwood was set in Costa Mesa, California. You're like, what are, what are we talking about? I'd watch Ian McShane anywhere. I'd, I'd watch him swearing in like a Starbucks or something. <laughs> well, let's not keep anybody in suspense with our namesake. It'd be like if Oz wasn't set in, in Oz. <laughs> um, Truman, let's take us through our grunt numbers. Okay. Well, well so what's, what's the most amount of grunts that we've had? The, well, the highest, the, the highest in single one episode, yeah. The, yeah, the highest single episode grunt total is fifty-five grunts in the Christmas episode, purely because he was grunting the whole song. Because he grunted jingle bells at the beginning of the episode, and then he grunts jingle bells again in the in the uh, credits. Yes, I don't know. I, I the game that I play as I fall asleep at night is I try and speculate as to whether there will be a point in the show <laughs> when they go so overboard with the grunts that we top <laughs> this number. This is a fluke. This is yeah. It was a massive number. Nothing... Unless there's like one conceptual episode down the line where everybody talks in grunts. Um, I don't think we're gonna top it. And the framework for that, I could see that happening if it's like, t- like it's an episode where we're going into every, but like every, it's all about dreaming, and we go into different people's dreams and see what their dreams are like. And <laughs> at the end of the episode, we see what Tim's dreams are like, and it's just everyone grunting at each yes. other. And another Christmas episode, we get a claymation version. <gasps> they were doing claymation goof episodes in the nineties. I yeah. thought they didn't. I didn't I didn't think the technology existed for that we until have so recently. much weird stuff to look forward to on oh the show. Oh my god. I'm, Season two is gonna be off the hinges. Really? Off the butt hinges. <laughs> Not the buck hinges. <laughs> oh the that butt hinges. That is a that that's an early one back when we were <laughs> mystified as to the as to the nature of, of butt hinges. <laughs> I think they wrote in I think they wrote in that type of hinges just so they could say butt on the air. They don't really get past the <laughs> That's Disney true. censors. Like Carmen Finestra and David McFadden do make a lot of comments on the word butt crack in their commentaries. <laughs> so I would not be surprised if that was an accurate statement. Butt crack work. So, okay, 55 was our grand, uh, was our top number per capita. Yes. Uh, is that right? I'm no, not using well, those yeah, per capita is like per person grunts. Yeah, no, okay, per so episode. We, per, we'd have to divide the, the grunts by the number of people in that episode, and that's more work <laughs> than I'm willing to do. Fair. Yeah, we're bad at math. That's yeah. the one thing we haven't addressed yet in this uh, end of the season spectacular. Yeah, yeah. yeah gotta go back to all those chestnuts. <laughs> okay, well then, if that's the most, what's the least amount of grunts we've had? The least amount of grunts we had was three. Let Count. me guess. Can I guess the episode? Guess the episode. Three grunts, um... What was the what was the most Tim Light episode? I'm gonna go see, not Wild Kingdom because he grunted a lot. That was another like high number one. It was yeah he he got up into double digits of, of grunting yeah. there because he grunts a bunch for the Boy Scouts. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little off the rails and say a Battle of Wheels. No oh okay. sorry sorry I I uh, no it's not a Battle of Wheels. I don't think so, Truman. I don't well I don't think so, Landon. Mm. That's your name, but. Uh, <laughs> The the episode actually because I remember a Battle of Wheels that one was low but I believe that was seven grunts yeah our quintessential one uh, no the least amount was in What About Bob three grunts what? three grunts in the Bob Vila episode now let me ask you would you consider this a grunt when he he didn't do this but when he hit him on the back of the head if he went oh no is that a grunt he's doing the like oh. grunt voice what? I'm just trying to like get a sense of your your. Uh, uh, your criteria here. I, that doesn't count as a grunt because it's him saying, "Oh, no. like if a grunt has the English language in it." Fair, okay. Like, if we're trying, if we're trying to to approach grunts <laughs> as their own language, it doesn't work when the grunts are using another language. Like a grunt <laughs> with a word in it 
at that point is just using a funny voice. That's not a grunt. Fair. Yeah, I think that's I think that is a very stringent and accurate way of uh, determining. Yeah. So what about Bob? That is very shocking to me. I, I know it's weird. It's weird to me too because I had I had at first been thinking that it was that that it was the the first or the second episode that had mm-hmm. the fewest. But no, what about Bob? Is right when the show was really kind of hitting its stride with popularity when they're getting these big guest stars right. on. And you'd think with how big grunting was for the whole thing, they yeah. would be loading them up there. But no, it was very, it was grunt light. <laughs> Maybe Bob Vila was like, I'll do the show, <laughs> but I will not be in a single scene that has a grunt in it. I will do the show, but if there is more than three grunts, I'm walking. What if Bob Diva is Bob Diva? <laughs> Bob Vila is the biggest diva in the world. Uh, I prefer... Like he's Mar- Mariah Carey level. <laughs> yeah, or, or, he, or he, it's, it's like he's got the, the writer in his contract, like the there will be no brown M&Ms in my dressing room. <laughs> uh, Bob Diva. I like that. Yeah. I also like Bob Devo. <laughs> it's Bob Vila doing the Devo dance from the K&B construction guys. Wearing a flower pot on yeah. his head and the goggles. Do you think we'll... I, now I really wish we would get Bob Vila to do um, some sort of uh, bit part with the K&B construction guys in like, the grand finale, season uh, series finale of the show. But, that's if we could put together a guest star dream team. Yes. That would be it. <laughs> Do you have any memorable grunt, grunts from this season? You know, the most the most memorable grunt for me... Uh, well, I think... <laughs> so honestly, fucking weird. It's such a weird thing to talk about. The most memorable grunt? The yeah. uh, MMG? <laughs> such a... Like, uh, what kind of an absurd life are we leaving, leading I, I, right now? I, I know, I know. I, you know, we both, we both went to college. Uh, <laughs> I think for, I, this probably doesn't, ca- well, it's not a Tim Grunt. And oh, okay. I've made it very clear over the, over time that Tim Grunts are the ones that I'm yeah. counting. I'll it, allow it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's Wilson Grunt. It's when Wilson goes, er? Yes. Uh, purely because it's coming from Wilson. It, yeah. It's when it's, at first grunting was the only thing that Tim did. Yeah. But now it's kind of bled outward like Jill's been doing it. Actually. I think every character has grunted except Lisa so far. Yeah, you're right. And only because Lisa never speaks. <laughs> uh, True. Yeah, yeah. By the end of it. And I think, you know, a runner up would probably be Al's uh, sad grunt as well. It's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> Which he does too, from my understanding. Because he does one when he's hosting. Yeah. But that's not the sad one. The sad one uh, is when he's talking to Greta Post. Yeah, or it's when, when Tim is trying to get him psyched up to talk to Greta <laughs> that's Post. That's right, yeah. And, he says, and, right. And, and, and Al just goes, arr. <laughs> so it's not sad as in like, Al is sad. It's sad as in, it's a very pathetic attempt at a grunt yeah yeah in a hilarious way yeah there, i mean there there are a couple of tim grunts that get super throaty and deep and long but but even then i mean he <laughs> yeah. has a few of those and the, the ones that jump off out of the screen to right. me are when are when other people pick up this language now we are heading toward the grand finale uh end total series grunt uh, season grunt count yes but before we get there i want to know is there, if you were to accumulate all the grunts, we have our final number, okay, which we'll reveal in a moment, and broke it down, how many, what's the median grunt count? What can a viewer expect, how many grunts per episode Well, like, can like the, the average GPE yeah. <laughs> grunt per episode, yep. Well, well, you know, uh, it's it's good that you asked this question. I'd anticipated that you would ask that, and so I uh, I, I hired a team of, of researchers <laughs> to uh, Google how to find what the median is. I uh, just picture a giant machine that fills an entire room, like Willy Wonka style, where they're yeah. trying to figure out where the next golden ticket, and it spews out like a little ticker tape. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's uh it's 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 either like in the movie a serious man where he's got that entire blackboard completely right. filled with <laughs> equations and he's standing in front of it yeah or it's like uh those those machines that try and calculate bitcoin equations that somehow turn things into money and it's like okay. whole server farms in china <laughs> yeah uh, so either one of those images I guess it's not really a joke yeah. there, but it's kind no. of funny that I referenced those things. That's goofers. It's a goofer. Yeah, it's a goofer. If but you, you know what? You can have your own mental image that we won't uh, impart on you. Thank you. You have a better one. Write in and let us know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Get here, us on one eight hundred Twitter. <laughs> here, here on mental image work. Uh, the median grunt per episode, the average GPE mm-hmm. is twelve point five. Oh. If you if you watch an episode of Home Improvement, you will most likely see. About twelve and a half grunts. Okay. Now, did you factor in um, the outliers? Like, the, did you factor in the three and the fifty-five? Yes. Into yeah, that yeah. Number? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I didn't. Th- I, maybe I should have thrown out the outliers. Well, I mean, if you know, if you look at the number, like the lowest we get is three, mm-hmm. a couple fives, a couple sevens, a bunch of nines, a couple tens, uh, and then a series of sixteens and seventeens. It gets like the next highest besides fifty-five is thirty grunts in one episode. Oh wow! If I were better at my job, That's I would have kingdom. Yeah, actually, yeah, that, yeah. that was, yeah. But uh, there's, a, there's a wide range of yeah. them. It's, the, the cluster would be between 7 and 16. Yeah, that would be the safest bet. Yeah, okay. between, between uh, yeah, between 7 and 17, probably. Okay, wow. Yeah. All right. Well, then um, I'm going to put it on your shoulders to put in the drum roll sound effect here. Okay. So here we go. What is the season grunt count ending number? That was so not <laughs> ceremonious is, at all. This is good. This is good. This is good. <laughs> what is our end of the season grunt count? The end of the season grunt count. I got to guess. Let me guess. Yeah, guess. Guess. <laughs> I'm trying to remember where we left off. It was, I think the last time we mentioned it, we were we were aiming. We were hoping to get 350. Is that correct? Yes. I think we were on well on our way to reaching that number. I'm going to reference one of our older episodes. Go with my brain. I'll and my stomach, and split the difference. Yeah, esophagus. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say 371. Well, I don't think so, Landon. Oh, damn! Now, it. do you think you're too high or too low? I think I'm too high. Yes. Oh, okay. Do you want to try one more? 347. Still don't think so. Too low that time. Yes. Okay. Tell me what it is. 350. Nine. Ooh. 359 grunts in the first season of Home Improvement. Tim Grunts. Tim Grunts, yeah. yes. Only Tim Grunts. We were right. only counting the Tim Grunts. I've been very, very clear. That is a lot. Now, as I've mentioned before, there is a very notorious uh, YouTube video of a compilation of all of Tim Grunts throughout the entire series. In the description of that, they say that there's 600 and some Grunts. Cannot be true unless there are no Grunts moving forward. Yeah, I mean, there would have to be a significant drop-off in number of Grunts. And given that the show seems to just turn everything closer and closer to 11 with each passing season based yes. on what the transitions are doing and the Halloween yeah. and Christmas episodes do. I don't see the grunting becoming less of a thing in the next <laughs> seven seasons. Uh, I'm just now realizing that uh, it might have been an ironic joke that they put into the description of this YouTube video. And to avoid seeming like an old grandpa who doesn't get things, I'm just going to acknowledge that now uh, so that I don't look stupid i cover my bases both ways okay okay well so long as you're looking like a grandpa do you want to ask any questions about rap music or how the microwave works um uh, uh, how do i set the the 
clock on my VCR. How do you feel about kids on your lawn, just generally? <laughs> um, I wish I had a lawn. I wish you did, too. We could record out there. Yes. Okay, well, there we go. That's uh, 359 is a respectable number. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've truly done some grunt work. But um bum 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 I am not going to edit any music into this. I'm not even going to put the theme song in this episode. You know what this makes us, uh, moves us on to? What is it? I'm scat singing now. Skynet has taken control of you. That webcam on the TV has uh, scattered your brain. I should have waved at it more to tell it not to do that. (laughs) What does that bring us to, Landon? My favorite. Uh, the, the, oh, of course, the Sandra Bullock interview section, yes. <laughs> I have called the interview from the depths of Playboy. Uh, no, the, the section where I get to sound the most insane. Oh, yes. We have moved on to the fan theories. The theory of everything. <laughs> That's different. A little different. So, let's, each week I kind of make myself look like an insane, deranged conspiracy theorist, uh, by posing... Um, theories that explain some uh, some of the behavior and unwritten background of the characters on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought we should check in with a few of our theories that we've posed this oh, season. Yeah. Let's see how those theories and are doing. See, uh, let's okay. So let's go through them and mark them with disproven mm-hmm. or still possible. Okay. 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 Um, uh, how about Al Borland, Russian sleeper agent? Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. That we, we posed early on with the the weirdness of Al, the introduction to Al's character being so lurky in the background mm-hmm. uh, that he might be some sort of spy, whether it be Russian or from another uh, opposing tool company. Maybe <laughs> we even at one point said maybe he's from this old house. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he was just scouting out for Bob Vila and yeah. then Bob Vila got, you know, hurt in the line of duty. Indeed. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about this theory? Uh, I'm going to mark it still possible. Ooh. I think that... At first, you know, this this we, we came to this because Al had so little to do and seemed yeah. so mysterious and there was so much beneath the surface. And now Al has sort of come into his own and developed yeah. more of a character. But what's to say, look, over the course of the movie The Departed, where Leonardo DiCaprio is going <laughs> undercover in the Irish mob yeah. in Boston, at first... He's not great at it, you right. know. He's not. He's not. He's not so good. He tries to make some ins, and it doesn't work. Over the course of the movie, he gets closer <laughs> and closer to Jack Nicholson and the other guys in that game. Right, lines and, become blurred. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, or you know, cops are criminals. When you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference? Yeah. So what I'm saying is, Al Borland is just becoming a better and better spy, mm. and he's starting to even fool us. And so uh, the the Leonardo or the Matt Damon, if Al Borland is Leonardo DiCaprio, the Matt Damon. To Al Borland, it's Ron Swanson. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, it, it definitely is. Mm. I would love to see a battle of wills between those two. Yes. Yes. A battle of beards. A battle of, a battle facial, of facial hair. hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I mean, yeah, I don't... Do you I personally don't want to see any theory ever go away, because no. I love speculating. Uh, and I do think, based on some stuff that I remember, that there could be some more uh, very interesting tidbits coming up for this theory in the next season oh this is exciting yeah um so i don't want to completely disprove it i will go still possible however i will fully admit that there has not been much uh credence to this theory over the last like half season yeah yeah it's quickly kind of fallen into the background um it's gone undercover okay so that one is 
still possible. Yeah. Uh, do 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 do. I don't know. Put some sort of sound effect in there. Okay, now, now you're assuming I have access to more sound effects than you think I do. I really have like two <laughs> sounds I can make on this show. Dude. Uh, so do you think, mm-hmm. uh, we discussed this before, yeah. do you think that Tim is the heir to the Binford legacy? Oh yes, this uh, this theory. I'm going to go still possible on this one. Mm. Now, I don't think it's, it's resting in the same place that it did when we brought it up, because we said maybe he was hired through nepotism. I think this theory started when we were trying to guess how he got this job, because mm. he's so inept at his job. Yeah. Um, but with the introduction of Mr. Binford, it kind of threw things through a wrench yeah uh when we first meet mr binford he says that he has seven daughters and he tells tim you're like the son the one son that i never had Mm -hmm. and we kind of speculated that maybe uh he still is and just doesn't have the 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 male capacity to say so (laughs) um i you know and i respect that but i'm gonna say disproven i think yeah tim got hired through nepotism but I I I think it's just because Mr. Binford likes him, mm-hmm. and not necessarily because he's related to it. Yeah, not because he's a part of that family. Yeah, I'm going in the same direction you are for the same direct for the same reasons that you are. I just don't think that it's an actual blood connection. Okay, so I... blood connection is the name of my new uh, mystery thriller novel. <laughs> by the way, I cannot wait to read that. Yeah, um, yeah, you'll have to let us know when that drops. Okay, so I will concede disproven. Okay. Yeah. I, I, this, I win. For, the, for this. I win the podcast. <laughs> Season one MVP, Truman Caps. For for this section, I will say one disproven makes it disproven. Two still possibles makes it still possible. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So we'll move on to the next one that has become one of my favorite games to play. Yes. Is Randy a psychopath? Yes. <laughs> didn't even have to think about it did not it required it required very little thought let me let me run through some of the stuff uh for this theory uh sibling sibling rivalry sibling rivalry is very rampant on this show uh mark the youngest brother is often the butt of pranks uh by brad and randy brad and randy um butt hinges sometimes all the callbacks <laughs> sometimes the jokes go a little uh they go a little beyond normality mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Is, is that, is no, no that well, diplomatic enough to say no yeah yeah they get they get a little harsh they get yeah. a little dark uh brad and randy uh <laughs> i started on a weird note on that one have, have, have you heard the song science fiction double yeah, feature yeah, you're... science fiction oh, oh god <laughs> double feature yeah yeah that's exactly it <laughs> We we really need we need some vocal work. You know, I always wonder why they hang me up by my feet whenever I go to these uh, Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> Show. So we've seen that Brad and Randy work as a team, um, but very rarely is Brad orchestrating or pulling the strings on these schemes. It's usually him yes anding Randy's scheminess. Yes, Randing. <laughs> oh God! But Randy often seems like the mastermind, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's got these things. So in the pilot episode, Randy is seen. Tying Mark up to a swing set. Mm-hmm. Okay. In Mo Betta Blues, Randy returns home with an empty turtle shell. Yes. In uh, Offsides, the third episode, he perpetuates a series of atrocities against an elderly magician, putting him in chains, locking him in a trunk, and hoisting him from a tree branch. That is his audition video for ISIS. <laughs> he uh, told Mark that he's adopted. He's told Mark that not only is he the only brother... Uh, he. 
he's told Mark that he's not the only brother that they've ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's told Mark that their parents are aliens and that they'll suck his brains out. He's threatened to put dead animals in Mark's bed. He's uh, tried to force Mark to eat worms. He's orchestrated revenge against a bully. He, he sent a letter to the San Francisco Chronicle with a really <laughs> intricate cipher. A series of symbols that no one can really figure out. <laughs> Taunting oh, the police. God. As we've seen in What About Bob... The B story of that episode, um, I don't know if you remember, uh, the annoying kid from school. Oh, yeah. No, I don't remember that kid's name either, but I know Curtis. what you mean. Curtis. Curtis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he takes pleasure in, in, in Jill's pain when Jill so wrongly assumes that Curtis isn't annoying. And never mind that the impetus for, for that kid even being in the house is because Randy filled his shoes with cheese whiz. <laughs> yes. And he displays no sense of remorse whatsoever no. about any of that. No. And this list just goes on and on and on and on. That's only the first half of the season. Yeah. Um, I think this is st- still possible. I, I Yeah, I think, I think he's... I almost a- said confirmed, but... I, it's, we can't confirm it. Yet. I'm just over yeah. anxious. Still, still possible. Still possible. I, I, I certainly think so. Yeah. This is a, you know, he should be on a watch list somewhere. <laughs> Agreed. Jodie Foster should be interviewing him in a in a stone cell with a glass barrier. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, one of my favorite that I feel like will be developed more and more. So mm-hmm. I guess that means that I still think it's still possible. Is Tim Kirst? Well, I'm gonna say no. Because this whole thing comes up in an episode where Tim thinks that he is cursed because of that that letter, mm-hmm. uh, Unchained Malady. Uh, but in the end, what, what Jill points out is that, no, you're not cursed, you're just naturally accident-prone. So I know you can make the argument that, oh, a curse was placed on him that makes him so accident-prone. Yeah. But after a whole season, it's not... To, to suggest that Tim has been cursed and it's some outside being putting this upon him, that's not correct. Tim is is uh, he so many bad things happen to him because of his own hubris this is this is tim doing this to himself fair okay i can see that my my main uh stay for this theory is the moments like the blood sweat and gears truck Mm -hmm. uh and putting the sledgehammer through the wall Mm -hmm. in bubble bubble toil and trouble i had to say the whole title um is that he has time to stop himself from doing the bad thing yeah the destruction yeah. When he's putting the, the sledgehammer, he does the job, but then he takes one more swing, fully being able to stop himself, but he doesn't. And so that either tells me that he's cursed and physically cannot stop himself from destructing something, or dot, dot, dot. Or it's just Tim being Tim. Or I don't know. Tim. Yeah, okay. I think, I think it's all a factor of personality. That's what I believe. Fair. Okay, I will stay by my own rules. One disproven makes it disproven. Tim is not cursed. Tim is Tim. Tim is Tim. Tim is Tim. Yeah, let Tim be Tim. Okay. The next theory, you want to bring this one up? Is Wilson... You were were the one that initially posed this theory, and I really ran with it. Yeah, well, no, and I'm running with it, too. Is Wilson God? I think this has the most uh, traction of any theory... I think so. From the get-go. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, the answer is... I mean, yes, still possible, certainly. Still probable, I'd say. Absolutely. And... I would like to just point out, because we we did mention once on our podcast, but since we're talking about theories, I'll just mention this one more time. Yeah. There was a Redditor who has since removed his account, so he doesn't have a name to attribute. Mysterious. Mysterious. Hmm. Um, who has pointed out a theory that Tim is a Christ-like figure. Oh, yes. Um, which holds some water, but I think that Wilson as God holds more water. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would even say holds wine. Oh. 
Um, and transforms it back and forth <laughs> as he wants to. Indeed. Um, so let's just go over the basics real quick. Uh, the two things that define Wilson above all else, the fence and his obscured face. In Exodus, from the Bible, mm-hmm. I pulled this quote. Wow. Uh, so you really are a Bible well, scholar no, now. I pulled it from the internet, so I can't <laughs> say for sure. www.thebible.com <laughs> Uh, apparently, I'll, I'll do that. Apparently, in Exodus, it says, you cannot look upon the face of God. And we cannot look upon the face of Wilson. Without turning into a pillar of salt. <laughs> Is that where that comes from? Or a pillar of barbecue sauce. Well, no, the, the pillar of salt comes from the story of Lot and so, no, Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot and his family are running away from the cities after God is going to destroy him. And uh. God tells them, like, don't fucking look at these cities when I destroy them. And Lot's wife does, and so it's like, well, sucks to be you, so he turns her into a pillar of salt. God has a potty mouth. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. he works works blue. He works blue. (laughs) Uh, So the fact that the uh, the fence acts as a sort of separation between the real world and the one of peace and creation uh, is kind of interesting. Uh, And more practically, the fence can be seen as a sort of symbol for uh, confessional, uh, as Tim kind of confesses his problems and transgressions in order to receive um, advice or absolution. Or wafers. (laughs) Or wafers. (laughs) <laughs> or that wine. Um, Here, Wilson, Tim, have a sip of this. Wilson tends to have a love for nature over science. Yeah. Would you say? I mean, he's... Well, no, he, he does love nature. I'm just thinking of the time he traps that, that cat or whatever. Or no, he traps the, like, raccoon that gets attacked by the cat. I will, I will, I will debate that by saying uh, the chain... Life of chain? Chain, chain of life? Cha- cycle of life the uh you you, you can you can never chain. break the food chain. chain the food oh. chain oh the, the food chain why couldn't i think of that holy I, I cow i don't know yeah my brain is uh dissolving here um he's created many things from wooden animals to a scarecrow yes this is the visage of himself he, he built a truck out of bones as we agreed <laughs> yeah that's right um he seems to be all-knowing uh, in an addendum to this theory we pose that if he is all uh god in human form would he be immortal um I pose that kind of in the, I think, Jason Voorhees uh, spin-off theory. Um, uh, on one, more than one occasion, he's uh, shown somewhat supernatural abilities, um, producing the wolf bane and garlic out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, well, from behind the fence. You could have had him in his pockets. Yeah. Um, you can't see 90% of his body. He didn't <laughs> sure, but his hands were on the fence when he did it, and then they were just there. Um, okay, Santa Claus. Santa Somewhat Claus. super. That's a little supernatural, that, right? That's that's extremely supernatural. Okay. We agree. This one is. Oh yeah, still possible. We're we're in agreement. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm curious how that one's going to play over time as we learn more about Wilson. That well, that's 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 what's so exciting about having an active relationship with Wilson is that you learn more <laughs> about him and yourself every day once you let him into oh your heart. My God. Landon, I want you to I, look. I don't know what you do on Wednesday nights, but I've got a youth group where we get together and we talk about some really exciting <laughs> things about what Wilson has in store for all of his children. <sighs> just come if just, it involves watching home improvement, I'm in. No, no, we just go and stand on either side of a fence, but <laughs> and talk about home improvement? Well, yeah, well we take turns on on who's stands on the other side. It's not really about home improvement so much as like meta messaging yeah. and 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 Wolfsbane and <laughs> carving ducks out of things. Oh, we we chant some dithyrams. 
How would you feel if in season two, whenever we recorded, I pulled up a little fence that went only uh, to, to mouth level? You know, uh, having played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons as a kid, uh, the dungeon master traditionally has a dungeon master screen that about blocks off everything just below the nose. <laughs> oh so my god, are we developing a new theory here the, the, in the end of the season? Is... Wilson, the original dungeon master. Well, that, 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 okay, so Wilson is, well, because really the dungeon master is the god of the Dungeons and Dragons oh, campaign. Go. So you're suggesting then that, that all of Home Improvement is a Dungeons and Dragons campaign being run by Wilson. So he's back there just like, well, okay, uh, you want to make up with your wife? Okay, roll a diplomacy check. Oh, you got an 11. Yeah, she's definitely going to take the kids and try to go to a hotel. Oh, saving throw? Oh, you got a 17. Okay, well, she came back and made a tearful apology about how much she can't bear to be away from you. You get 65 XP. <laughs> that better be in the Home Improvement Super Nintendo game. I, or yeah, I will be pissed off. I, it has, yeah, it has a very uh, deep Skyrim-style leveling <laughs> system in the Home Improvement SNES game. There is a Home Improvement board game. I feel like we should investigate well, that like, at some point. There, I think there's an episode where they make a Home Improvement, or a Tool Time board game, too. Oh, maybe. But yeah. there's like a one that you and I could play right now. Out in the world. I, th- that's our new quest. That's our season two. That's our arc. <laughs> Okay, well, I, that's, I think that's all of our theories. Do you have yeah. any that I missed? I, I think I think, I think that, I'm the theory guy. Yeah, you're the theory guy. I'm the grunt think, guy. I, I think we it. hit our grunts and our theories. Okay. All right. As we kind of wind down this spectacular end of season one episode that we've been doing, thank you all for listening so much. Yes, thank you. And thank you for your kind words. Uh, this season one, we didn't quite know what the show was going to be. We still don't. Yeah. It could change. We never will. Even when we're done with it, we won't know what it's going to (laughs) be. Time will tell. It's the critics that make, uh, and the audience that makes, uh, that imbues a show with meaning. It it takes, it honestly, it is a pretty heavy lift for us to say, hey, we're going to talk about a 30-year-old sitcom for twice as long as the (laughs) runtime of each episode. Or three times, yeah. Or in this case, I mean, you you could have watched the movie Interstellar. (laughs) Uh, But no, it really means a lot. You know, I I certainly, and I think Land, I think I speak for Landon too, I say I really appreciate that that you people enjoy listening to us talk about this. Because we enjoy hearing the sound of our own voices. And the, the idea that other people do is really affirming to us yeah. and, and our efforts. And even if you don't enjoy it, I still appreciate that you listen. Yeah, you know, even if you're even if you're just doing it for your own hate listen <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh man. Um so with that in mind, I want to kind of I don't want to say give back. This is, <laughs> this is totally self-serving, but uh let's read some of the iTunes reviews that uh, have been left to us. Yeah. Uh, by some of our grateful fans. Well, let's see. We have one by uh, by CW Forums. Oh yes, uh, Jonathan Reinhardt. He's uh, been a, one of our first listeners. Oh yes, Jonathan. Yeah, he's been yeah. he's been with us from the beginning. Active yeah. on he Twitter, has, active on Facebook. Uh, he uh, has a wonderful podcast uh, about tabletop games, much like Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> um, called uh, Wargaming Recon, uh, which you can find on iTunes and um, on Twitter at Wargaming Recon. Yeah, and, yeah. So, and, and so if you were if you were all confused by that totally awesome sexy bit I did about Wilson being a dungeon master, that would be the podcast to yeah, listen to exactly. to get some better background about exactly what type of dungeon master screens you could be using and Indeed. what height they could go to, uh, your Warhammer 40k armies, etc., etc. What's he have to say? Oh, well, what he has to say is. Gruntwork is a new but delightful podcast about the 90s sitcom Home Improvement. As a fellow podcaster doing the show Wargaming Recon, I know the importance of listener feedback. The podcast episodes contain informative recaps of the appropriate... I'm laughing because I had to look up the name not realizing that it was in... in, Okay. 
Sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> the podcast episodes contain informative recaps of the appropriate home improvement episode. The hosts have great chemistry, are quick-witted, funny, and knowledgeable about the show. He must be talking about something else. I don't, I don't know which <laughs> podcast he's listening to. They have a fun way of bringing this old sitcom to life and making it relevant for today. As a listener who used to watch and love Home Improvement, I enjoy being transported back to a younger age when Tim, Jill, Brad, Randy, Mark, Wilson, and Al grace television sets. No love for Lisa there. Now, well, no, no love for Lisa in the writer's room That's either. True. Yeah. The podcast hits the perfect balance between analysis and entertainment. The grunt count is a cool running gag. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> I agree. Give this podcast a try. You will not regret it. I, you know, I mean... Yeah. I, I, I Do you have, regret it? Do you regret doing this podcast? Uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I know your voice gets higher every time you lie. <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the world to do. <laughs> uh, what else do we got? Uh, well, Craftsman4358 uh, says that we're really dang funny. I don't know who that is. Uh, That's the title of the review, really dang funny. Yeah, let, let, let me do this like a, like a second-run movie trailer. Okay. Craftsman4358 raves, a show about home improvement... Who would have thought it could be as entertaining as it is? The hosts are just dang funny and knowledgeable about the show. I haven't seen Home Improvement in years, but listening to this show, I feel like I'm reliving each episode. Would recommend to anyone who likes TV podcasts. I gotta admit, someone who uses the word dang a lot uh, certainly listens to an explicit podcast. I know, I, I know. <laughs> I, you know, we, we really could be more like you, Craftsman yeah. 4358. We could take a page from your book and maybe work with a little more clean comedy. Indeed. You know what, Craftsman... Four three five eight forty three fifty eight man yeah. come on uh, I'm gonna throw this one out there for you since you aren't able to say it damn damn I replaced your dangs with dams <laughs> <laughs> you damned up his dangs <laughs> then uh, Grayson three thousand uh, who I believe uh, these are all iTunes users yeah so I can't really attribute them to uh, Twitter users I believe this, these are the guys from. Uh, Fan Theory World. Oh, okay, Fan Theory World. They post the theory, is Tim Taylor a surrogate for Tim Allen's career? You know, and I think that, that the way Grayson 3000 came up with that theory is that he and the other 2,999 Graysons all got together and discussed it at some length. <laughs> oh my god. Really, that... <laughs> really debated it out, put their 3,000 heads together. Reminds me of the uh, Kids in the Hall sketch, uh, 40 Helens agree. <laughs> Well, okay, you know, as long as we're going to keep milking jokes about, about one of our devoted fans' mm. names, uh, I also am a big fan of his brother, Andre 3000, of the, the hit 2005 jam, uh, Hey Ya. Hey Ya. Uh, That's how that song goes, right? Hey, yeah. Just, hey Ya. Hey Ya. It's a, it's a short song. <laughs> it's really, it, it's, it's that ringtone market is really messing up pop music. It, it's really just more of a text message indicator than anything else. It barely counts as a song. Uh, My favorite ringtone from 2005. Grayson 3000, though, he gave us his grunt of approval. He says, I, love wa I loved watching Home Improvement growing up, and it's wonderful to revisit episodes with these guys. Funny, great audio, oh, well, oh, thank you, and finds deeper meaning in a sitcom that is considered a cheesy 90s show today. Uh, I'm going to be honest, the, the fact, Grayson 3000, that you like our audio means the most to me, because so so often I go back and listen to episodes, and I'm like, oh, the audio peaked there a bit. My my ears are bleeding. I hope I hope our devoted fans aren't. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, well, and, and Landon, if you, like, why don't, you, why don't you take over? Why don't you read yeah, some praise back to me? So we've got a few more here. Um, I just want to do my due diligence for you guys. Uh, this is titled, The Home Improvement Revival You've Been Waiting For. Actually, I'm waiting for the actual Home Improvement revival, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, not we're, to mince words here. We're not, we're not trying to be the show Home Improvement. <laughs> we're just commenting on the existing That's source true. material. This Let's... By Infinite Finite. 
As most people have mentioned, I grew up on Home Improvement and have yearned to watch it again. Unfortunately, and unfortunately spelled wrong. Wow. Why, dude? Okay. He just he just took the time to I, review our show. But no, let's go. Cool. Let's nitpick him. Let's just nitpick him apart. Uh, unfortunately, at the moment, it's uh, not streaming anywhere, which is not true at the moment. Now now it is. It is now streaming on Hulu. Really not trying to pick you apart, Infinite Finite. We really appreciate your, your respect for our show. Uh, so I was extremely happy to see a podcast uh, exists. That relives that re- every moment. Of the show. Of the show. Thank you. Uh, apparently, I haven't cold read in a long time. What I love, uh, this is back into his quote, what I love is that the hosts seem to have a genuine appreciation for the material rather than simply criticizing it. And the way they break it down each episode is not necessarily necessary to watch along. Uh, simply relive the memories. Since we'll never see Home Improvement revival on television, this is the next best thing. Well, never say never. Never say never. Again. I mean, because I never thought it would hit streaming services. As apparently this person didn't either. Yeah. Um, I, I am giving you a lot of shit. I really don't mean to give you a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you. Wait, hey, you know, this it's it's like it's like family. You know, you, <laughs> exactly. you, you uh, well, no, it's it's like family and grunt work is like Olive Garden yeah. in that when you're here, you're family. <laughs> and you can also get bottomless breadsticks if you come uh-huh. to uh, watch us at a taping. Indeed. How do you pronounce milk, infinite finite? <laughs> Well, don't don't hey, infinite finite. Let me give you a tip. This is this is a trick. Don't don't <laughs> don't play this game. Do not let Landon get into your head about uh, the way you pronounce the names of dairy products. Um. Okay. Next one. I didn't think it was possible. Is the title by Ryan thirty four six eighty nine. A lot of numbers. A lot yeah. of numbers in the world. It's as though you guys knew that numbers are not what we're good with. <laughs> uh. Never would I have thought you could talk about a show longer than its episodes. They've done it. Bravo. With three exclamation points. Uh, Seriously, I was surprised by the fun content that made me nostalgic and sucked in by the witty, clever, hilarious banter. Worth a listen and definitely subscribe. Ryan34689, you touched my heart. Thank you. I'm I'm glad you appreciate our banter. I'm glad you appreciate it. Three exclamation marks, point, moiks worth. What was that? Uh, exclamation, exclamation moiks. It's it's it, it, it's the new trend that's sweeping the nation. We don't know what the trend is, but it's called moiks. Moiks hard lemonade oh. is like a South African talking about his favorite sugary brand of beer. Uh, also, also, I want you to know, Ryan. 34689, that uh, there were extensive debates early on about will people appreciate and listen to this show if it goes longer than the episodes? Yes. At first, we really thought we were going to do half-hour episodes, and yeah. then and then time made fools of us all. Indeed. So, I mean, this episode is close to half an hour. Yeah, oh yeah, we're, we're, I think we're closer with this one than ever before. <laughs> this this Robert Altman's Nashville of an episode. <laughs> I think it's more of a shortcuts, personally, but uh, you know. Every time I think I've said the snobbiest movie thing I can say, then you just out-snob me. <laughs> The last review that we have is called I Do Think So, Tim, by Kirsty J. Um, absolutely hilarious podcast that's well worth subscribing to, whether you're binging Home Improvement now that it's on Hulu. So this must be a recent review, October 10th. There it's you a go. fresh review. Yeah. Uh, haven't seen the show in decades. Uh, or, oh, I, I lost the momentum on that <laughs> sentence. Uh, so it's worth subscribing to if you haven't seen it uh, or that you're streaming it on Hulu uh, or even if you've never watched an episode in your life. The hosts are witty and overflowing with pop culture references to give listeners a new take on the classic show. Home improvement? More like total life improvement. 
when you start listening to grunt work. I, total life improvement. Total life improvement. TLI. Uh, that's what I that, get that tattooed on my um, knuckles. On your knuckles? Yeah. Well, you're gonna have you're gonna have extra space. I'm just gonna have one one extra finger without that, one digit without a. Do you know I'll do T. Let's see. What was it? Total T, t period L, L period I period. Oh, I got two extra. Yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna. You're gonna. Well, I know you landed. You're gonna be looking at your knuckles and like, oh god, that these don't. There's not enough to fill all my knuckles. Uh, two exclamation point. Exclamation points. Exclamation. Point. <laughs> no, but but also that's grammatically incorrect, and that's also that's gonna bug me to look at that. Look, dude, just just Fair. just do the standard thing. Yeah. Just get love tattooed on one set of knuckles and hate tattooed on the other ones, okay. just like everybody else who gets their knuckle <laughs> tattoos does. Very fair. Uh, curious DJ, uh, thank you. Yes. We're, we we're glad that we can totally improve your life, and we feel like you totally improve our lives by listening to our show. There you go. Yes, of course. Everyone li- listens to our show. Uh, gives me meaning in life. And, yeah. And uh, we'll uh, pull back from the brink of going too dark with that. So. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I just do a, just a taste, <laughs> just a just a little just a sip. Little, just a, there you go. Um, life is hard sometimes, so we're gonna go into tweets. Sometimes, <laughs> tweets. Um, so there are a lot of other podcasts and fans of the show that we correspond with on Twitter, and I just want to read a few of their tweets. Read, read them and weep. All right, or don't weep. Uh, there are a few other podcasts like the Man- uh, Manga Forum. Sorry, I've got a cold, and it's hard to say manga. This one really makes me laugh. <clears throat> uh, ashamed to admit, I've only. <clears throat> <laughs> hey man for whom the belch tolls am i right for whom the belch tolls listen we got to talk about our friendship oh god no uh, this out of nowhere you're the one who's burping i'm being totally mature are you saying i'm not rowdy enough exactly yes just because i don't burp burp along with me um all right i'm gonna i'm gonna give you that one over again the main at the mangum forum manga forum oh my god uh who you can follow on twitter says Ashamed to admit, I'd only just tuned into Gruntwork Pod. Uh, and it's really good. I watched a shit ton of HI growing up. Great work, guys. Oh, great work, girls. I've checked out a few of the things. Uh, if you're really into manga, they're, you know, um, I think located in London or somewhere in England. Oh, international fans. Yeah, exactly. even better. I know. Um, I, well... I, I'm a, I you know f- thank you for your comments also uh, cheerio uh, also <laughs> while we're at it uh, that's that's a crude stereotype I I know I uh, know we we, pre- we appreciate you you listening Gr- grunt work like home improvement and manga manga are like opposite mm-hmm. opposite ends of the spectrum and the fact that there can be some some love going across genres like Indeed. that means and a lot I would honestly read. Uh, a manga of home improvement. I would read two mangas of home improvement. That's how <laughs> it excited would, it I am would be them, like yeah. an eighteen volume series. Yeah. So if we're being completely honest, the manga forum, uh, manga it happened. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You even got a customized uh, Truman pun from from us. It's a goofer. It doesn't deserve <laughs> to be called a pun. Um, okay, moms and murder pod, uh, which you can follow at moms and murder uh, on Twitter, says uh, wait dot dot dot. There's a podcast about Tim the Toolman Taylor and fam. I am on it, and they have been. They have been fans since that tweet. They, they've been they've been on our case just like they've been on the cases of all those murders. <laughs> now, now, moms and murder. Does this mean that murders mysteriously follow them around almost as though they're the culprits, or are these moms <laughs> who solve murders like maybe what would be a cool ABC Family show? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think it's more of an underground, like, uh, tour network uh, podcast where they are giving instructions on how moms can murder and get away with it. Okay, that's good. That's good. (laughs) So there's a lot of what not to do cases where they they point out, like, moms who have unsuccessfully tried to get away with murder. Exactly. Right. If you want to fake your death, these are the proper steps to take. Yeah. Uh, Okay. We got one more here from Casey McGowan at Casey M C G O W A N N. Are you going? To, are you going to read this in uh, in in the way that I feel like it's intended to be read? <laughs> uh, I'm not only for the sake of our podcast ears. Uh, yes, sure. We do have good audio. <laughs> it is written in all caps, which I appreciate. I, as as a guy with, with the last name Caps, <laughs> I appreciate it too. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm all caps all the time. Uh, I'm only going to text you in uh, all caps now. No, I, I will hold you to that. Very fair. Um, okay, so just envision me yelling this into the microphone. Casey McGowan says, These guys get it. Follow the Grunt Work podcast. We need a home improvement pod now more than ever. I, I could not agree more. We are... Because <clears throat> if, if not us, then who? If not us... Well, I'm sure there will be imitators now that uh, Hulu's out there. Yes, well, you know what... And, and and that's fine. You know, the tall trees get the most wind or something. I don't really... Uh, apple shade. falls far... Falls in the shade of the tree of giants. Yeah. On shoulders of titans. Yeah. If you give a mouse a cookie... He'll learn to fish forever. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll be warm for the rest of his life. Oh, we have really descended into the pits of insanity. I don't, I don't <laughs> the think... The end of this long-ass episode. I don't think we should record for three straight hours. In, in the future, <laughs> maybe not. Fair point. Fair point. Um, guys. Before we... Casey McGowan, thank you. We, oh, yes. we we appreciate you, and we appreciate that you appreciate us. And okay. please keep listening, and we will we will keep rocking and rolling and making good podcasts. Yes, uh, we appreciate all followers, all listeners, everywhere. Yes, and uh, even if you have sent us something and we didn't read it here, I've logged it. We'll read it in the future. Yeah, we love you guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been the end of season one. Spectacular, guys. End of season one. <laughs> Turn tape over. <laughs> That's just a little preview of the upcoming uh, of the upcoming Gruntwork cassette tape release. It's very hot, and uh, we're looking at quarter one, two thousand nineteen, will be the eight track release, and we're also doing a laserdisc special edition. So look out for that. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Uh, okay, guys, that's it for uh, this week's episode. Um, with that, I guess. Landon, do you know what time it is? I literally don't have any clue what time it is right now. I, I think it's I think it's time for us to stop recording our voices and go back to our lives. See you in season two. But <laughs> <laughs>